Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome back to Two True Freaks. Uh, this is a very special month-ending episode. Um, I'm Chris Honeywell and I'm here with my co-host Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? It's going good because I've been looking forward to doing this episode. And... Uh, this episode will probably lead into many more episodes because this is our big video game episode. Um, oh, it is? It, it, ah, shit. I got the wrong notes. Oh, well. Toss them out because you ain't using them. It's, 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 now, I, I, I'm not going to say this is going to be a comprehensive, you know, view of video games and in in, in, in all that. It's mostly going to be sort of like, you know, a rough in the time period, you know, breaking up video games into time periods and just sort of stories of of how we related to games in those different periods of our lives. But I think um, what Scott and I were talking about earlier in, in the last couple weeks of we, as we've been planning this show is that maybe the show will lead into some, some other shows that sort of um, will take what we say in here and... and um, focus it on a finer point so maybe you know after this show's done we can do a show on each of the major video game platforms you know right and, and all the games inherited in them and that would be also be an opportunity and for you listeners um to to think about um if there has been a, a a specific video game platform that you really liked or played an awful lot you know or got obsessed with you know um uh, maybe you would be a good guest on our show, you know, because uh, there's going to be yeah. some platforms that Scott and I may never have even touched or may have there's, just played a couple games on, you know. But Right. Well, there's two things I'd like to see come out of this right off the bat, which is, like you say, get some people involved, you know, maybe even create a, a, a you know, not maybe just more than one guest, maybe like a panel, uh-huh. you know, where we get some different input from different people that, that, you know, can bring something to the table about maybe some platforms that you and I are weak on or never played right. or whatever. But right out of the gate, the immediate thing I would like, I would like immediate feedback, uh, you know, of the sort of, you know, 
oh my god, how could you assholes forget about this game right. and that game? Because I know I'm going to do that. As soon as we stop recording, I know I'm going to have a list in my head of 50 games that I should have mentioned and should have thought well, it's of. It's like we were talking and about before this. This could be a six-hour show. Exactly. Easily. Yeah. Easily. I, I mean, we yeah. like to talk, but we could even be fairly brief on a lot of games and it could just go on forever. You right. Know? So that's why I think, you know, at first we're just going to – it's going to be a chat and story tell, you know, and, and hopefully mm-hmm. our stories will sketch out a, a sort of brief history of, of video games from um, – and, and this, is, this is a great thing about our age is we actually lived in a world and we're old enough to remember a world without video games. Yep. Let that sink in out there for for just a minute, all all you youngsters. A world without video games. None. I, I would imagine that that's something that you can't wrap your mind around. You know, it, it's like you or I trying to trying to imagine what it was like for like our grandparents to grow up in a world without television you know where you where your excitement came from see i can you know listening to a radio yeah 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 Yeah, i can sympathize but i don't think i can truly imagine what that world was like right you know and i i'm i'm figuring it's probably going to be the same way for our listeners that that grew up you know post video games posts you know pac-man fever and all that shit you know because I, I have trouble taking my mind back in, in a certain way. What the hell did we do before we wasted hours a day sitting in front of, you know, the television playing a game? You know, I, I just don't remember. I, I guess it was just, it was Tinker Toys and board games, right? Tinker Toys, board games. Well, I mean, before video games, I was, well, I, I mean, most of my time as a kid, I was out in the country. So before video games, there was a lot of like running through the fields, Little House on the Prairie style, and getting into <laughs> crab apples and and catching catching mice in the field and, you know, and helping the farmer, local farmer, <laughs> bale hay and stuff like, you know, literally stuff like that. Going, going to the fishing hole and going fishing. I mean, cow tipping. I, I, yeah, cow tipping was a great pastime. Um, I, I literally have gone... I literally have I feel really lucky, you know, that some of my earliest memories like but from the time I started going to school kindergarten, we lived in this old farmhouse in West Carthage near Pleasant Lake and uh um literally our house had a wood stove in the kitchen. It was a wood cook stove. I mean, we were cooking our meals in a wood cook stove and heating our house with the same stove and going out and, you know, helping the farmer milk the cow. So I went from a very um, out of place, you know, in the 70s lifestyle, sort of a my parents were in that crunchy, hippie, sort of back to nature-y sort of thing, you know, the romantic idea of having the wood stove and stuff. So I've gone from living in a farmhouse with a wood stove to you know what we you know what we have today with the internet and um ipods and ipads and you know literally miracles stuff that some stuff that's more miraculous than you know some of the sci-fi that we were watching and and uh 
So I, I feel really lucky to have had that experience. But yeah, there's a lot of people who just don't remember a world without video games or even a world without good video games. <laughs> there's, right. there's some people who you know grown up grown up in the PlayStation from PlayStation up or Super Nintendo up. So, right, yeah. When 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 video games actually actually became worth playing, which started becoming <coughs> Pardon, I have a theory that video games have only become worth playing in the last decade or so, really. <coughs> like truly, like truly where they're beginning to become truly immersive but boy back right. in the day I remember you know going with with the family to visit the, the family friends the Harveys and Mr. Harvey was one of those people who made glass sculptures and going to their house and he's good and we got out of the car and Mr. Harvey and Mrs. Harvey they had a daughter who was my sister's age and a little kid who was like toddler age who was I believe he was uh, had Down syndrome, and uh, when we when my sister and I got out of the car, you know, usually the parents would pawn us off to the two kids, and we play with the two kids. And he got when we got out of the car, you could see the look on his face was just like he couldn't wait to grab onto us kids and go, "Look what I got!" And he brought us inside, and they had Pong, and yep. uh, the adults got to play with it first, and it was the biggest torture in the world watching them hook up that pong machine and start playing it. And uh, you know, then they went to the kitchen to like smoke cigarettes and drink wine, and uh, the kids got to play on the pong, and it was and that was that. <laughs> it was a video game with two dials and uh, toggle switches on it, and uh, I mean, I just remember. It was amazing, you know. It was like, oh my god, it's tennis, <laughs> it's space yep. age tennis. It was amazing, black and white, of course. Boop, boop. I can remember, and I don't know why I was. I guess it was just timing more than anything. I, I think it was just a matter of perfect timing. Uh-huh. But I can remember being at my grandparents' house, and that was when they they had a, a trailer. They lived in a trailer in black river new york and it's where uh you know years later my uncle would would buy that land and build his restaurant and all that which also factored a lot into video game play but you know back then my my grandparents they lived in that trailer and uh their last two kids you know they were still raising up and living with them which was uh my uncles uh randy and ronnie and one night for whatever reason you know, my, my grandfather, you know, he wasn't really the gift-given type, you know. But for some strange reason, he came home one night, and I just happened to be there. I don't know if I was being babysat or just hanging out with him or what. I don't remember the specifics. I don't remember what year or what time of year or anything. But I just remember him coming home, and he brought home Pong, which I don't think I'd ever even heard. Of. I don't think I had any no. concept of what this thing was. No, neither did and I. He, you know, and up to that point, well, I we mean, weren't the most watching amazing the news thing, or reading magazines or anything in those right. days. You know, how are we going to hear about that stuff? You know, right? I mean, up to that point, the most amazing thing you ever saw the TV did besides turn channels was if you fucked with the rabbit ears, you know, the signal would go all piss wacky, or uh, 
you know, the you, you had the different knobs to change the vertical and the horizontal. That was about it. Well, I mean, so here you, he had, that, you this... had that awesome TV, I remember, where you could watch one channel and hear the audio from another channel. Right, I remember right. watching the Apple Dumpling <laughs> Gang with some different right. audio on it at your house once with your dad and you that was hilarious. But, yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're right. But this was at my grandparents. Right. So I, if I remember properly, I could be remembering this wrong. I, I don't know. But I think the TV was black and white anyway. Right. I don't even think it's a color TV, which, of course, Pong was black and white. Right. But I'm saying the TV itself was black and white. Know, was yeah, our TV those was black and white big, at that time, too. Yeah. You know, the, the, the TV we had at my house was one of those great big console TVs right. that sat on the floor and you could have you could have easily put a mattress on top of it and slept on top of the fucking thing it was that big yeah. whereas the TV my grandparents had was one of those TVs you know which they were good and heavy but then they had the like the spindly like card table leg supporting this great big box of a television you know and it had the funny little like ovoid screen he hooked that thing up and it was it just blew our minds you know it was I mean, it was fucking Pong. Pong, looking back on it today, it's it's the primitive of primitive video games. But it was amazing to us. You had, you know, a, 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 a what do you call it? A vertical rectangle on one side, a vertical rectangle on the other, and you could move these two vertical rectangles. All you could do was make them go up and down. They didn't have any lateral movement whatsoever. It was strictly up and down. And with that up and down, you had a little a tiny little pixel, you know, just a square. It was more, it was almost a rectangle. Yeah. It was just, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it would go back and forth, but it just amazed us how you could bank shots and, and it had, you know, it had, uh, physics diagonal. Yeah. Physics. Yeah. Diagonal movement and things like that. And you could play a game of tennis on the T and it was just wow, you know, I mean it just completely blew us away. And I, you know, I hadn't it's funny, I hadn't thought of this thought until just now talking about it. I was I was thinking the other day about, you know, what video games have I put serious time into. I never even considered Pong. I probably played more Pong than any other video game. Just because it was the first one. We played the fuck out yeah. of that game. Because it's all that are that's all that existed and it was you know, so revolutionary, you know, so mind blowing. I wonder what the lead time was between Pong and, and the Atari 2600. I honestly have no idea. It was idea. like a year. It seemed like for, it seemed like it didn't actually, it didn't seem like that long then. So it couldn't have been very long at all because like a year seemed like forever back in those days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it seemed like forever by the time I actually got a Atari 2600 once they came out. Cause you know, right. my parents weren't able to get one until because they were like a hundred bucks back in those days when they first came out. Yeah. But I remember like it wasn't very long after Pong came out that uh, there was a restaurant in Carthage called the Levis House, and it was sort of a hotel restaurant yeah. on the main drag. And every once in a while, my parents would go there and meet a bunch of their friends and have a few drinks and have dinner and stuff and. And the kid and we had and that there was a little kids table and the kids would sit at the kids table and we'd all eat there and our parents would eat at the grown up table, and I remember going into the Levis house one day, and they had a sit down tabletop version of um, Space Invaders, 
Space Invaders, yeah. where it was, where it was basically it was a black and white game, but there was multicolored rainbow stickers over the screen, right. so they changed color as they went down, you know. But it, you know, it was a quantum leap in, like, you know, the instead of you know just lines and dots, there were moving animated space creature, you know, you know aliens quote unquote or ufos you couldn't tell they look like ufos with tentacles or something and right they would shoot your barriers and they would only take out little pieces of it and you know it was like a hundred thousand times more realistic you know and more sound effects it had you know it had sort of it had music almost to it, it had the bump 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 right and that weird the weird sort of icy sound of the um, hissy, icy sound of the the missiles that you shot, or you know your bullets. And I remember just I going, love that sound. Oh my god, this is amazing! And then within a month after that, the Levis House replaced that with the tabletop version of uh, Pac-Man. Which was yep. just like, wow! Because by that time, that you know, it wasn't long after Space Invaders, and this is after Space Invaders came out. I remember I was hanging out. I went to oh, stay with this. Do you remember Terry O'Shaughnessy? I remember the name. I wasn't really. I it was like we were friends for a little while, and then like we were in different classes, and we never hung out again. But once I went to his house for a weekend to go fishing with his family and when we got there um his father let him go hang out at this like bar across the street because they had galaxy in there yep and that was blowing our mind because galaxian was in color was in color and had like spaceships that were multiple colors and that would peel yep. off and dive bomb you and you know it was and it had the 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 quote unquote music and it was even more advanced you know it actually had a little song where it go da da sort of monotone. it's funny i was thinking how funny it is that so many of my video game memories, you know, regarding arcade games and the first time I saw them or the places I, I knew that I had to try to get to to be able to play certain games, so many of them were bars or restaurants or, or bowling alleys. Or bowling alleys. Or hotel, yeah. Because yeah. Cause cause I remember when you and I used, used to, be, to... There used to be arcades that had, like, mechanical games in them. And then they went right. out of then they went out of style and they came back again. But it took them a while to come back after video games came back. It took it a, took a little while for the businessmen to go. Oh wait, let me get a bunch of these video games together. You know, so it was only the right. places, the bars that 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 were already. You know, now that I've worked in a lot of bars and places like that, I know that they have contracts with the people who bring in the games and the cigarette machine, the vendors. You know. And what was the name of that friggin' place, that bar that my, my uncle used to play there? It was this bar in Watertown. The Time Warp? That was a... No, it was across from... Uh, remember where Nichols used uh -huh. to be? Nichols Plaza? It was sort of kitty corner across the street from there. There was a like a famous 
bar restaurant over there yes. that, that Gary's band used to play at. That's where I saw it was either Galaga or Galaxian for the first time. It was it was just yeah. sucked in by and it. Galaga was it was like over the, by the radio station. There's a radio station right there, or at least there right. used to be. I'm no, talking still like there. thirty years ago now. You know where I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly though? what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I saw a lot of games were at were at bars, restaurants. I'd forgotten hotels, but you're right because that's hotel where we, that was the only place that we could find Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, rather and was at the Ramada Inn. Welcome aboard, Captain. Ramada and Star Trek by, by the State Building. Which one? Tapper was another one that we played. Tapper, there. yeah, I had that on my list. Yeah, Tapper. Um, and then at the Watertown Bowling Alley, that one, that bowling alley that was like way the fuck out of the town, over by the air brake. Right. They had uh, like Popeye. Uh, Donkey Kong Jr. and uh... oh, I forget. That was that was later. Yeah, they, those they always had the very the cartoony games there. Yeah. 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 But, um, but I remember for some reason I spent a lot of time I, it seems like whoever I was staying with and I, I want to say it was my Uncle Gary they used to go there a lot and I didn't really bowl so I'd just sit there and like play, play hours games. of video games and it was weird I don't know why I spent so much time at that bowling maybe they were doing band practice I can't remember now I remember Man, going to that like bowling we alley with you and we were playing Popeye yeah. the whole time that we were there yeah, uh, do you, but I don't remember why we were there though. Did you ever go? Maybe they were in a bowling league or something. Did you ever go to the arcade that they had Carthage? For that, it was right down the street from where my dad's store was. I did once or twice, but a lot of the uh, the kids I didn't like from school or the kids I was afraid might beat me it up. It was sketchy or there, yeah. Out there, yeah. So I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time there. I got to spend a lot of time there because all the guys that worked for my dad at the store were like twenty two years old, you know, twenty twenty one, twenty two years old. So they were oh they would, um, Randy and Scott, you know, the two guys he did construction with, they yeah they were had to be about twenty years old. I, I remember that because I remember them being. Remember Luke your Skywalker dad ever having age. employees? That's funny. Yeah, they they didn't hang around that store, but they were like, when they would get a job to build a house or something. That's where those guys would show up. My dad was the one hanging out at the store, but they were always yeah. in there, you know, talking, getting supplies and stuff like that. And at lunchtime, they were always over in the arcade in Carthage, which was just generally a dirty, rotten, you know. Um, abandoned storefront that somebody just threw a bunch of video games in. It smelled like cigarettes and dust and uh, no decoration. And they would go in there and they would play a um, Defender. (laughs) 
with one of them one of them working the joystick and the other one working the buttons one of them would be joysticking and firing the other one would be reversing and they were such a team that they could you know they could anticipate each other's moves so it was really cool. neat so they were like yeah one of them was a nap you know they were like it was like Chewie and Han Solo <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the, the coolest arcade I can remember before I started being able to drive myself to like Syracuse or right. uh, uh, Kingston Ontario or any place that had you know really really big nice arcades the nicest one I can remember off the top of my head was that one it was somewhere over behind the TV station yep. And you and I used to go there when you would stay with your mom that's, in Watertown. That's the one I and we dis- went there, dis- so they shut it down. Yeah, I discovered that one. That yeah, that was like my secret arcade. It was in a weird. It was in yeah. a weird location. It's like a back alley. It was like or a something. back alley. It, yeah. it was really creepy. I used had this whole shortcut where we cut through this alley behind uh, this big dark stone church. I remember yeah. cutting through it one day. And as we were cutting through it, loud, heavy metal music came blasting out of the basement of the church, and we were like, "Whoa!" It was, I think that's where I saw Cubert for the very yes. first time, because that was the first game. As you walked in the door, it was right there on the right. Yes. And you and I had a short obsession with that game because that's when that rumor started to go around that if you played Cubert long enough, he would fi- he would swear, which I think was bullshit in the long run. But we did. We got we were totally suckered by that. And I remember us playing a hell of a lot of that game, despite the fact I don't know about you, but I sucked at that well, game. Well, Cubert, yeah, Cubert, you had to have a knack to play it. You know, it had right. it was one of those games. Where it, it had a very unique, you know, you were bouncing. It was one of the first ones with sort of a 3D grid on it, right. and you were bouncing up and down. So you had to really, you know, there were. I mean, the first few times you were playing, you were just jumping off the edges and stuff because you didn't really know how the physics of it worked, and it right. was very frustrating. But the game knew that this was this was why it was such a brilliantly designed game. So every time you died, though, it would go oh. And, right. and you don't get this from like your emulators and like playing it on the versions that they have like on the PlayStation with like ten thousand old ga- retro games on it. Is when when they first put out that game, when he would fall to fall off the thing, there would be a little arm inside the video game that would swing right. and whack against the wall. That's oh my Years god! I had later, completely forgotten about you. Are so sharp right. whack inside the game as he fell down in there, and the game would vibrate. It whacked yes. the hell out of it inside. And years later, um, the restaurant I worked at had a sister restaurant in the suburbs, and we would go there for the Christmas party every year. And they had a cubert in there, and the boss opened up the bottom of it and showed us the whacking me- the sounds obscene the whacking mechanism inside of it to, <laughs> and he sold that video game for a pretty penny because they stopped it was the the that that element of the game was very expensive and when they started mass producing cubert they stopped putting it in so after a right. certain point in time most cubert games didn't do that didn't but that it, was yeah. an awesome that was an awesome little gimmick in a, in a video game that 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 arcade was always full of gimmicky, awesome. They, that was the only place that I ever saw this game, outside of emulators, 
but it's no fun to play on emulators. You, you need a joystick. Is a jump bug. Was the name of it. Yeah. And it had some of the most bizarre physics, you know, where you were bouncing on buildings and firing. But you could sort of keep yourself in the air by pushing your joystick up would slow your descent. So you were making these impossibly long jumps, but you would uh, you would have to cut them short and and time these bounces. And it had a very just unique gameplay to it. And I used, I can't imagine how many dollars I sunk into that one at that arcade. You you just jogged a memory that I'm not sure I'm remembering it right. Tell me if I'm nuts. <laughs> well, I just I can thought about that question well, already. Uh, yeah, I know that was a loaded question. If I'm not mistaken, didn't your dad have this? I mean, it was massive, the screen on this thing. And it was a game, it was like Moon Patrol or something like that. And he had it in his shop, right? No. Am I am I crazy you in imagining crazy. We that? We never had a video. I would have remembered a video game in his shop. Oh, where was that? It was somewhere. Well, they had Moon Patrol was at that place they did have maybe that's where i'm thinking but for some reason i was just thinking it was in your dad's uh solar store but yeah i remember us playing no, that i never because would that have left like... that store if there was a video game yeah in there. but it was i remember the screen on that thing being massive and it was i think that may have been one of the first vector graphics games i ever saw uh. that it was the you know it was in that um like asteroids yes, style yes uh, you know, and it was you know you were hopping over craters and shit like that. I remember it being really hard it was to play. Very hard. It was a side scroller, and it had like yeah. the weird gravity of the moon factored in. Right. It. So you yeah. sort of float, fall when you fell. Yeah. It was- you know, it's funny. I got to thinking about you were naming some of these games, and I, you know, it, it's really odd that so many of the most popular video games that ever were in that time. I really didn't play many of them because I I just seemed like I was never good at the popular game. You know, like Pac-Man, I never played much Pac-Man. Or uh, Donkey Kong, See, Asteroids. I, Centipede I played. I got I, I got good. Centipede. I taught myself to be good at Centipede eventually. But when I first started playing, it was the same thing. I stunk at it. But eventually, I got good. But the the ones that were the most popular game, maybe it's because we it was hard to get time playing them, you know, because they it was were expensive pop. to learn. And it was you had to yeah. really you had to find the unless you had rich parents or something, you had to find the games that you liked. And I always gravitated toward the unusual ones, like Centipede had the roller, you know, right controller. Yeah, the roller controller. Um, that one that we used to play down the uh, it wasn't Ames. What was the what, the one that had Tron in it? But next to it had the one where you spin around. It's another vector game where you would spin around oh, firing Tempest. Tempest. You know, Tempest, stuff. I, yeah. I love Tempest, and that had, you know, a spinning dial in the middle of it, and Robotron, which had the dual joystick. I want to stop for just a minute. Um, for those of you that may not be able to keep up with us in this show, Tempest is immortalized on film. If you ever see the movie Twilight Zone, the movie, and the segment with the little kid who has the mind powers and he can do anything, 
the game that he's playing throughout that episode or throughout that section of that movie is Tempest. And the part where he goes nuts with his power and really uses his superpower. The the video game sounds in the background are from Tempest too. Yeah. Tempest, those vector those vector games stand up to the test of time. Yeah. Because they just have that clean, simple retro look to them. And you know, they always and you know, in the years to come, you know, the star the Star Wars games would become the like pr- pretty much the peak of that style of of video game. But yeah, Tempest was quite a when, when that came out. Um, in a lot of ways, I I still feel to this day that the height, the true height of arcade style video games for me were vector graphics. Where where they started to lose me was when they came out with polygonal games. I think yeah, that's so when the first that. when the first like Star Wars game that was a polygon game came out. You're yeah. right. I remember that. It yeah. was Jedi, wasn't it? Well, I don't know if if Jedi was it truly had... a, a polygonal game, but I'm I'm talking games like there was that one that one uh it wasn't really a side scroller, but it was a side view fighting game and it was like virtual fighter, or virtua fighter, some shit like that. And then all the games started to look like that. And it was like go back to say like Tomb Raider 1 and that's kind of what they evolved into over time but in the early 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 days they were very angular and just I I hated those games and I hated to see the direction of games go that way because I just didn't like that I liked the 2D stuff it was just you you know even like Star Wars it was weird because it was all vector graphics. It was kind of 3D, but it was still mostly 2. I don't know. There was something about that it was style. Th- like you, you know, say, it, was it, it looked like well, it looked like when Trump. It looked like when you watched Star Wars when they were you know showing the R2's plans. Right. It looked like that. It looked like it, right. it looked like it was from and of the Star Wars universe. It looked You're like right. you were maybe, you know, getting your, your training on the simulator, you know, it was a, tra- right. you know, so it, so it wasn't, you, it wasn't trying to simulate the exact, it was just simulating the idea of being in an X-Wing fighting oh, it, but man. yeah, it was awesome. And at, at that point, that joy, the, 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 the like airplane joystick that it had that, you know, the joystick that you held on with two hands and it tilted back and forth and then and then turned like a steering wheel at the same time. That right. gave you such a control that you never had and the way that you fired and stuff. But that was that, that was like the beginning of the truly modern, fast paced first person right. sort of games, you know, whereas the beginning of that, this was another one I remember playing a lot at the Carthage arcade was um and now I can't remember the name of it but it was uh the tank battle game you know oh um uh battle battle zone where you battle actually had two yeah. where you had two yeah. joysticks that you would go forward and backwards like the treads yep. you controlled each tread on your on your uh tank and you looked through a periscope that was, that a, was a good game. Gra- graphic game and that was one of the fir- that was the first truly like 
3D simulation game where you would go forward and you'd see a little dot and it would get bigger and bigger. Oh, it's an enemy tank. Shoot it. And you would see a little dot coming at you and it would get bigger and bigger. And it's like, oh, it's a missile and your screen would crack. Right. Classic. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's one of the reasons I always liked uh, Star Trek uh, Strategic Operations Simulator. It wasn't too far removed from, like, say, like that opening graphic in Star Trek II, yeah. you know, where they were training on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah. You know, it wasn't too far off. <laughs> I like that. And that was the beginning of immersive games, too, and the same in Star Wars, where you would sit down on them and sit down in them and, and have the screen aimed at you while you were sitting there, like you were in a ship with speakers near your ears and stuff like that. Right, they were starting to get all all fancy pants. stereo. Yeah, and uh, just, yeah, damn man, I miss arcades. I uh, you know go like the the uh, uh, another good the the mall at the um at the stupid Salmon Run Mall. The arcade there was not too bad, if I recall right. I never liked that one very. They they you know it was okay, but First, the ones that really stand out in my mind. Well, the the biggest thing that stands out in my mind is when Gary's Restaurant came along. Yes. You know, my uncle had a had a restaurant. It started out as basically, it was almost like a hot dog stand. It was called uh, Eat It and Beat It, and as far as I know, it still exists. It's in, uh, it's around Fort Drum. You know, anybody listening, you're up in the Fort Drum, New York area. You know that that was my uncle's chain. I think he sold it now. I'm not really sure, but anyway, at that time, it was just the one restaurant, and he started getting video games. And one of the first video games I can ever remember was the first one he. I think it was the very first one he ever got, and it was a. It was a gunsling. I want to say it was called Gunfighter, but I, you know what? I've got MAME open right now. Let me see if I can see what the name of it. I think it was called Gunfighter. And it was very simple. It was, uh, you had a cowboy on one side of the screen, and you had a go- cowboy on the other. Gunfight, that's the name of it. Here it is right here. I remember you that. You had a cowboy on one side and a cowboy on the other, and it was, you could be one or two player. You could play against Wasn't the computer. Wasn't there a covered wagon in the middle or something? Too? Yeah, and every once in a while, a covered wagon would ride right up the middle of the screen. Yeah. It was, it was a black and white game. But, you know, the graphics, I mean, they're not spectacular, but they for the time, they were actually they were like a, They were like Atari 2600. No, but they were a step up from that. I mean, you know, you you could clearly make out that they had cowboy hats on and that they had a little holster on their side. And you could aim up and down with their arm. And the idea was you were were in the midst of a gunfight and you could move your player up and down the screen and you could could aim their arm. And that was it. The rest of the the body was static. And the idea was to shoot. It was almost like... And the legs would do that little boogity boogity shoe type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was it was almost like Pong if the idea was to to try to hit the other paddle on the other side, you know? And it was a very simple game, but again, we played the hell out of that game. Was, that was a lot of fun. I remember that game very well. And he had uh he he had a lot of games over time. Some of them were really good and some of them were just eh. But another one I really, really liked that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else but his restaurant was a game called Road Blasters. 
and it was kind of like, uh, I was weird. It was like a Mad Max meets uh, I've seen, pole position. I've seen sit-down versions of that where you had the square. It was sort of a square, a uh, circular, but it was square-shaped track, right? And you were racing your car around in a circle on it, right? Am I thinking? I don't remember. I, I think you were headed off into a distance. Like there was like a city off in the distance. Oh. And these other cars would come up alongside, and I don't know if they were trying to shoot you or what, but you would. These like jet planes would fly over, and they would drop shit in the road that you could pick up, and it would give you like a like an engine boost or missiles or rockets or something. And I think you like fought the other. The other character, I forget now exactly what the, the principle of the game was, but that was a lot of fun. I played the hell out of that game, too. But I just remember him having that. It seemed like that game stuck around for a long, long time in in his shop. Now, now what I'll always remember Eat It and Beat It for, besides steak hoagies, <laughs> is uh, Crazy Kong. Yeah. Which was a bootleg of probably nobody knew it at the time except for probably the guy who was put, you know, the vendor who was putting the video game in. But it was a bootleg of Donkey Kong. Yeah. So it was like an easier version of Donkey Kong with all the um, boards in a different order. And right. Now, I remember Donkey Kong. From, do you remember? Everybody remembers Archie Bunker, All in the Family. But after right. All in the Family ended, it turned into Archie Bunker's place because Archie Edith, Bunker's place, Edith had yeah. died. Yeah, <clears throat> his wife had died, so he had a adopted daughter, and he ran a bar. And there was right. I can't remember what the story was, but there was sort of it was of a mice and men sort of situation where there was a guy who was smart. And he had his dumb brother. And the dumb brother kept going, But I want to go play Donkey Kong! Donkey Kong! <laughs> he would say it like that. And the audience would crack up, and I'm watching it going, What the hell is he talking? Donkey Kong? I want to play Donkey Kong? What the fuck is that? That's bizarre. Although I was too young to be thinking, What the fuck is that? But it's bizarre. It's <laughs> Donkey Kong. And then all of a sudden, Oh, it's the new craze. And then I went and tried to play Donkey Kong, and it was hard as hell. But Crazy Kong was <coughs> like way easier, and it—you didn't have to go through as many levels to get to different levels. So you could learn Donkey Kong on Crazy Kong by playing Crazy Kong, and then apply what you know to Donkey Kong and have a little head start. And I remember right. playing the hell out of Crazy Kong and loving that that game. And it was basically looked like Donkey Kong with all the colors changed into just ridiculous colors. So Donkey Kong was like blue and pink instead of purple. A game I just remembered, and I was trying to remember what the hell the name of it was, and I just found it here. Oh my god, does this take me back? Because this was one of the first games I can remember 
having an attractor and Gary actually leaving it. Either he left it on or he didn't know how to turn it off. And I can't remember exactly now what the attractor did other than it was really annoying after a while because uh, it would just say the same thing. But it was a game called King and Balloon. Oh, and God. You remember that? Yes, I remember that at Eat It and Beat It, and I remember it was yeah. annoying as hell. Yep. It had the, the little king that would wander. He was in the he, he was on like a lower rampart of a castle. Uh-huh. And he looked he looked like Ike from South Park yes. wearing a crown and he would go back and forth at the bottom and you controlled these two guys that launched um, like a catapult and there was balloons at the top of the screen that looked kind of like space invaders mm -hmm. and your idea was these balloons would float down like Galaxian style and you had to hit them with the, uh, with the catapult and if you didn't they would grab the king, and that's where the attractor would get annoying. Is the attractor, you know, it would show he was like a preview oh no, of the game. Oh no! They'd, yeah, they pick like him that. up, and he'd be like, "Help me! Help yes, me!" or something. Yes. Like. So all day long, that's all you kept hearing. Is every couple of minutes, you would hear this king going, "Help me!" But it was that electronicy voice. Yeah. They'd be like, "Help me! Help me!" And it was like, "God, turn that fucking thing on!" I remember. I heard, I heard that a lot from Gary. Turn that fucking thing off. Because <laughs> he just got tired of hearing it, you know? The guy had forgotten all about that game till just now. So I was trying to think, what the, what was that name of that game that he just hated it? Because I remember the day that the, the, video game, the video game guy stopped by and he was like, dude, you've got to swap this game out. <laughs> so he's driving me nuts. Man, I, he I want to go to games ar in arcade. There. There's something about walking into an arcade and hearing all the video games going at once, you know, that you just don't experience yeah. anymore. I haven't been to a truly awesome arcade in a long time. I mean, there are some, you know, I mean... I did. Hell, where I, I, I went to the one at uh, Disney World. It wasn't was the just most say, awesome no. arcade. It wasn't actually... A lot of the games were a little beat up in there. I, I played a pod racer game that was beat to hell. Now, wh which one are you talking... Are you talking over in uh, Tomorrowland? It was in Tomorrowland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one I was going to mention. Now a lot of the resorts have um, their own arcades in them, and then you know at Downtown Disney, there's Quest. That one of the levels is entirely retro right. games, and the cool thing about that is once you pay the admission to get into the place, you just go all play. All these games are free. Yeah, they, I'd never make it past that level. I would be on that level all day. It was pretty awesome when I was there because they had a lot of the classics. I mean, they had games that. You know, I'd only ever seen one other time anywhere, like The Punisher. You know, I, I never saw that game anywhere. You know, they had The Punisher where if you played two-player, then the other player was Nick Fury and stuff like that. And they had, you know, they had all the classics. They had, you know, Tron and Berserker and, uh, was it Berserk or Berserker? Berserk. I can't remember. Berserk. And, uh... You know, all those kind of games, but the the best arcades I can think of, you know, going back to, you know, back at the time, you know, back in the day was, uh, you know, once we started driving, we used to drive down to Syracuse, you know, and of course, all the malls down in Syracuse had excellent mm -hmm. arcades. The Pen Can had a really kick-ass mall, and I used to drive up quite a bit to um, Kingston, Ontario. And I've only been to Kingston stuff. once, and that's an amazing city. Yeah, I loved Kingston because right, you know, everything 
in that city was all on one street. It was it was a street right. that slowly ascended a hill. Right. And and as you worked your way up the hill, it was like you know, it was like a, a, a small little nondescript city. You know, it's it's a city I'm sure a lot of people have never even heard well, it's of. It's very European. But, you felt like you yeah, had been dropped right. off in some little small like French mid sized French um a, a city big enough to be metropolitan, you know, to have right. t- tall buildings and and hip shops and stuff like that. It was the first time I'd been, seen, like, hip clothing stores, you know, when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, was they there. had a great head shop there. Yeah. That that place had the best, like, T-shirts and, and stuff like Yeah, that place was excellent. But, I mean, everything you would want was, like, on this one, like, what was it, maybe, like, a half mile uh-huh. of, of street. And they had, you know, all the best restaurants. They had an arcade. They had that head shop. And then it, it, when you got to the top of the hill, they had a comic shop there that kicked ass. That was my uh, my high, you know, my high watermark for comic shops for a long, long time was that comic shop that they had there. But they had an arcade there that was, I mean, it was big, you know? And uh, you would go in there, and it, it was the classic arcade where it was like a U-shape. You know, you, you would come in the entrance, you know, you would walk down, and on each side of you was a bank of video games going all the way to the back wall, and then you would hang a right, and there's still, there would be video games on the right and left of you, and then you would turn another corner, and it would be a U-shape all the way back right out to the exit door, you know? So you had, you know, in this one little shop, I don't know, there had to be a couple hundred video games uh-huh. in there. It, it was great. I mean, they had... All the cl- the only thing I didn't like about arcades like that was because they sandwiched all the games right next to each other. You never got a chance to see the really cool artwork on that would be on the, on the yeah. cases. Yeah, the, yeah, and I, I didn't like that. But I mean, man, they had some great. And that was, uh, I think that was the only time I ever saw like Journey, the video oh. game. I saw there. You see, I used um, to see Journey, the video game, on WPIX. <laughs> because they would have people, you know, they, they would have the people call in and right, play the video yeah. game, and that was one of the games that they would play, and that was one that everybody would always lose at because they'd be like, run right, run left, and the, it was just, you couldn't play it like that. But that was well, weird was, when yeah. Journey's heads were like these giant heads on top of these little bodies, once again with a little boogity shoe legs just jiggling back and forth. Well, that was like the first time you'd ever seen like a, like a, like a digitized photo. Likeness, yeah. Right, yeah. You know, like a perfect, you know, digital rendering of a picture. Yeah, it looked right like on, a, a clipped you know, out picture. Game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't pixelated graphics. It was an actual picture. Right. That was that was you know big deal back then. Well, I just remember the uh, the old two screener theater used to get video games yep. too because that was the first time I ever saw. Um, Superman, mm-hmm. the video game, and I used to go to the theater just to be able to play that game. And and the only other time I ever saw that game besides that theater was when I would drive up to Kingston. They years later they opened another much 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 bigger arcade um, on the outskirts of Kingston, and I don't think it lasted very long. But that place was freaking huge, and they had every every game well, that you could think of is in that my place. favorite arcade of all time is always going to be the one in the Thousand Islands in Alexandria Bay because they were oh, that was where I first saw the Star Star Wars Vector 
one and they always had the state-of-the-art games and it was there in the Thousand Islands, so it was always I was always there on summer vacation, you know. Is that at Waterfun Village? Is that where no, you're talking about? No, this is in Alexandria Bay in, in the Thousand Islands near Bolt Castle oh, okay. area in, in, tour, in, in total tourist trap. But the neighbor girl, their family had a cabin on a lake near Alexandria Bay, and I would just go there for the whole summer. Like, my puberty years were heaven because I would go there the whole summer it would be the neighbor girl and all her friends. Was that Wendy? Wendy and all her hot. They were all. And my sister was there. Though. She, was, she there. was hot. Wendy was, the biggest was crush blonde and, and beautiful. And yep. uh, all her friends were beautiful. And I was like the only guy hanging out at the at this cabin the, the, the whole summer with girls in bikinis. It was awesome. I felt like Hugh Hefner. But, and then when we'd go to play video games, there'd be Star Wars. So I always have good memories of that particular arcade. Boobs, Star Wars, and video games. It, it really doesn't get any better That's, in life, Yeah, does it? And, and no responsibility <laughs> at all, you know, being a little kid. But um, I think we should end out this segment. Uh, I, I, I don't think we could... Um, do our, our early days of video games without a little bit of talk about I think it would be a good way to finish out the early the caveman days <laughs> with uh, the Atari 2600 yeah I was just going to say we definitely have to talk about the home systems now because yeah, yeah Cause, that's, uh, that's I think where the where the memories truly lie well that's where we would s- that's where we started sitting down and playing serious video games like they play now <laughs> where you s- you know where you didn't have to have quarters your folks provided a hundred dollars worth of quarters to get that that goddamn you know Atari 2600 that you've been griping <laughs> about forever and uh and then, um, and then the neighbor kid gets ColecoVision, and you see how much better it is. Yeah, and I know. Play Donkey Kong on ColecoVision, going, "Holy shit, this is just like Donkey Kong!" But uh, man, you know, Atari Twenty Six Hundred. You and I have spent, you know, when we were kids. I can't, It's hard to say how many hours we spent on Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and how many joysticks let's, let's we crushed. Let's take a quick break, and and we'll come back, and we'll really dig into that subject. All right, sounds good. Only Atari makes the world's most popular home video games. The only space invaders. The only asteroids. The only Pac-Man. The only Missile Command. And soon, the only Defender. And the only way you can play any of them is on a home video system made by Atari. Attention, people of Earth, do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hey you! Yes you! Hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well evidently you do because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do! Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well then have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the internet. 
and we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera, but also lesser-known monsters, like Gappa, Yongari, and Giawa. We cover everything, from movies, to comic books, to video games, and we're kicking it old school at EarthDestructionDirective.blogspot.com. Check it out, won't you? And remember, the EDD has got their eyes on you! 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 All right, welcome back to Two True Freaks, epic video game episode or whatever the hell we decide to call yeah. this thing later on. Now, I just got to say two things before we get uh, back into this. One is uh, Chris and I are both going to uh, offer up a, a small apology, but, you know, it's 2.30 in the morning and uh, we got the munchies. So uh, there's going to be a little bit of crunching and smacking going on. Sorry, can't be avoided. Yep. This, is, the, this is literally our third podcast we're recording. So we got a few. You got to keep fueling that brain if you want it. We're fueling it with. I'm basically fueling it with salt, sugar, and caffeine right now. And yep, that keeps That's it going. It exactly. That is, a, is exactly. And uh, the other thing, real quick, and uh, I, I've always, I, I guess, been the uh, the sappy, sentimental one of the of the two of us. But I just got to say, dude, that you know, I, I love our regular format. You know, I love doing the structured shows and all that. But these shows, like what we're doing right now, I, I these are the ones that always mean the most to me. I think is when we just kind of have no format or go off our regular format, and we just do an old school. I don't have a, old, I don't have a single know, note. Uh, Really? Oh, I've got notes, but I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's it, for the most part, it's just, th- this is going way back to the earliest roots of two true freaks and, and just, yep. you know, you and I just hanging out, shooting the shit, reminiscing about the good old. I love episodes like this. I have the, I have the feeling that the listeners love these kind of episodes too. We always get, you know, feedback saying that this is people's favorites, you know, kind of episodes that we do is when we just, kind of just talk about us you know and and our memories and stuff and so i, I hope you guys are digging it so far i'm having a blast I, I'm, I'm having such a good time just kind of walking down memory lane with all this shit it's a lot of fun memories well i sort of I, not really a public service announcement but i just wanted to say that that you know of course that with this with this kind of format and with it just basically being scott's and my experiences there's going to be people sitting around listening to it all, all the day long going, you know, what about, um, you know, Bubble Bobble or what about this game? You know, I want to hear about right. this game. What you need to do is you can write us at 2 at gmail.com, but 
What you what people really need to do, and I know a lot of people are more lurker-like than they are, or whatever. But you know, if you find yourself yelling at our podcast, or you know, or or shouting out, you know, instructions to us, or cat calls, or whatever, you really need to get over to our forum at, at Forum for Geeks. Yes, and uh, and just you know, it doesn't cost anything. You just have to go in and give a username and a password, or you know, or whatever, and and go and and set yourself up and. You know, you go and you sign up, and then they, you know, the the guys who run the board approve you after a day or so, whenever they check their email or whatever, and then you can come to the two true freaks, and and we'll have a we'll have a, you know, we'll have a thread for this thing where you can go and say, hey, you know, what about this, and then we'll actually talk to you about it. So you know, that 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 forum is it could be so much more of an extension of this show, you know. And and it's so awesome right now for the, the, the people that do sort of hang out there and, you know, the regular right. crew of people who do contribute all the time. Uh, you know, there's plenty of people to sort of keep it going, but the more the, it's always the more the merrier. And yep. it, it's always a good way of, if you like a show, it's a good way of going and getting more, you know, getting, being able to, you could ask us to clarify something or, you know, or you could have something to throw in. And it's it's the place to do it, and it just piles up on itself because there's you know a bunch of other people doing it too. So I think we could really, I think there's you know there's definitely a lot more people that listen to us than are at the forums. I would love to have like seventy five percent of the people that listen to us also going over the forums and you know and, absolutely, uh, absolutely and hanging out, man. I completely agree. This is not, uh, you know, this isn't a lecture circuit, guys. This is completely interactive. You know what I mean? Or we'd I mean, like it to feel... be as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, join join the discussion. Join the fun. Absolutely. You know, uh, the more, you know, like Chris says, the more the merrier. I would love that shit. Because I do. I, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the, um, the forums quite a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I check the, the, the messages and the things going on, you know, all the time. I'm, I, I consider myself fairly active over there. So, uh, yeah, please join in. We would love to have you. Well, the bottom line is if, if, if you have, like, a question directly for one of us, I mean, emailing us works too, but if you go over to the forums and go, hey, Scott, you know, what's the deal with this? Eventually one of us is going to, you know, whoever it's, you know, within a couple of days, what you know, we're going to see it and respond to it. You know, right? For the most right. part, just just try to keep the "why are you such an asshole?" questions to a minimum, because you know, I I have just answered that. those at me. I just, don't mind. Yeah, I, 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 I I really I have addressed that question many 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 times now. Yeah, it's you, you know, I mean, maybe I think they just need to get it. It's just one of those things where you can just look at it and toss it out and just say, okay, they're just getting it off their chest. You know, it's. <laughs> just you know, let them let them blow off a little steam. And speaking of blowing off steam, ah, awesome. That, this, so anyway, thank God it's a podcast <laughs> and not an actual lecture in a stuffy lecture Choo -choo hall. Freaks now in Smellovision. Yeah, great. That'll, that, that'll be a that that'll be the, is in, probably as fully embraced by the public as 3D has been. <laughs> But um, anyway, I, I, Scott and I were discussing it. We're going to try to 
go through our the the in this period we'll talk about the the home you know the first home platforms and our experiences with playing video games at home mm-hmm. and uh, getting us right up into the days of like this you know Nintendo Super Nintendo N64 days and uh, before before we leave this segment so we'll we'll see how we do with that because. God damn! I think that's probably that's a lot to talk about. That that chunk that chunk of time is probably that's probably you know that time period in our lives was probably when we had the most disposable time mm-hmm. to sit down and play video games. So we played a, I mean Atari twenty six hundreds got just you know we just. It's a good thing those things didn't have moving parts because we would have gone through many of them, you know. Only the joysticks had moving parts, so those got trashed like it was, you know, nobody's business. Right. But, you know, and I know we've talked about a lot of these 2600 games in the course of, like, Star Wars. We were just talking about the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, there's there's been several times since this idea of doing this show came up where I was like, shit, are we are you sure we haven't already done a video game show cuz I know we talked about this and we talked We've about done that bits was, of pieces of it all over the right, I mean, we yeah. could go to old shows and maybe like do a clip show of all our talking about video games <laughs> right. and do like a four half a four hours worth of video game talk for sure. Right. Cuz I but, know we've uh, talked about like most of the Star Wars, you know, of the and you know, I mean, we were just talking about really the first that that first twenty six hundred Star Wars game was that Empire Strikes Back Walker, right? Battle. But you know, it, and it wasn't Star Wars games weren't really a big deal until Nintendo came out and you started getting the Star right. Wars games for that and Super Nintendo and stuff so like I, that. I tried to keep those the ones that I know for sure that we've already talked about off, off this list or, or to a minimum, but. uh Man, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I, it's weird because I don't remember asking for one, you know, or anything like that. And I'm not even sure exactly the circumstances around when and how I got one. I, I want to say it was like a Christmas present one year or something. But did I play the shit out of Atari Twenty Six Hundred? And the funny thing is, is that again, it's it's one of these things where, you know. I didn't. I either didn't own or didn't play much of the popular games. I didn't really even play all that much of the actual Atari, Atari twenty six hundred games. Right. I, I had all these like third party games. Most of them I liked a hell of a lot Most better of them than were a lot more fun. They were better yeah. graphics, better, more interesting sound, more interesting ideas. Yeah. Yes, I. I I was just thinking about that. I was trying to remember. There was one game where you would fly. You, well, like the Tron games. You know the di- the discs of Tron right. games where you're running. You could run. You could shoot your disc through one side of the screen and have it come out the other side and right and uh, sort of trick shots and stuff. And I just always remember a lot of those games being of. You know the 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 graphics didn't have the big blocky look. They would they were more the, refined. Yeah, yeah. They were more defined and smaller. And a lot they wouldn't have maybe as much background. They maybe would spend most of their stuff on making these smaller, more detailed stuff. But 
Yeah, I I, I noticed that too. At your place, like, my parents would get us the Atari games, which were fun, but the the games that really I would get involved with would be the ones that we would play over at your house, like Star Trek. And, um, Discs of Tron and, um, Mountain King. King. Mountain King. God, we spent lot, many, 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 many hours yep. playing Mountain King. I loved that game. And uh, to me, you know, and I don't know how much this is actually, you know, really true, but to me, that game was groundbreaking because the, the use of music in that game, I mean, it was an essential part of the game. Yes. I mean, you had to listen to the music. You had to listen to the musical cues to find what was it like? It was like the flame it was spirit. Like the flame. Something. It was like this flickering flame that. Yeah. It, it was. It would be somewhere, but every once in a while, it would just sort of flicker. And didn't you right. have a flashlight? And if you put the flashlight yeah. on it, you could see it. Sort of. It would just sort of doing this little dance from foot. But to the foot. music actually you know gained in volume or fell in volume as you got warmer trying to find it you know so as you got closer to where it actually was the music would actually increase in volume and it did, that was a big deal i mean that was the mountain king thing of the actual piece of music where it yeah. got louder and it got faster as it was you know it started out yep. as dun, 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 exactly dun, dun, dun. and i remember when we got to a point where we were so crazy that we would play the ELO version of In the Hall of the Mountain King yep. while playing Mountain King so that right. we could have loud stereo version of dun 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 right. dun dun and by the end it's you know by the end you had didn't you have once you grabbed the flame you had a certain amount of time to take it somewhere without yep. getting touched by any of the bad guys you had to take it to the top of the mountain and and you know, if you if you actually managed to touch your feet on the top of the mountain, that's right. Then then that was it. And then we discovered that it had I don't know if you want to call it a glitch or an Easter egg or what, but there was that one thing where if you knew how to do it and make your character jump just right, and he would basically the jump. And jump. Yeah, and you jumped off like into eternity. You would eventually see the bottom of what looked like a whole new mountain above you in the sky and i don't know if we ever successfully made it we never up there, were able to get up there but yeah it was i thought that was cool as hell you know and, and that it, was really neat and it had these really nifty graphics that were actually sort of somewhere in between you know point graphic pontalist graphics and and the vectrex sort of looking you know the, the, the mountain was a side view of tiers of little thin straight lines. It just had a very it had a completely unique look, gameplay, sound, everything about it. Even the little stick figure guy, he was a stick figure. Holy shit! He had shit. a really neat movement to him. You know what I mean? Listen to this. <laughs> There's a fucking wiki for this game. It says Mountain King was embedded with an interesting hidden level capable of being reached by the player uh, by the player via jumping from the tip of a ledge located on the mountain peak at the bottom of the game board. That's that's what we were just saying. Time uh -huh. perfectly 
The player's character will catch the very bottom rung of a high ladder. The fuck he will. Well, I could never do it. Said the ladder leads to an up, uh, an upper hidden level of ladders and platforms. At the very top of this area are two strange ghost-like figures, but there is no reward or bonus for entering this level, and the level is extremely difficult to navigate, with falling from the various ladders a common occurrence. Wow. So you, according to this, you actually could yeah, go kept, up we, in there. You just wow. competent enough to do it. I just couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Man, I used to love that fucking game, though. I loved it, and I hated it, because damn, did I use up some controllers playing that game. Because that was one of those games where you would go, and it, it was a long process to find that friggin' ghost or flame spirit take it all the way to the to the mouth of the thing, sacrifice it to the whatever the hell that thing was, then it would allow you into the, the king's chamber, you'd grab the crown, and then the music would start. And you had, what was it, like a minute and a half, I think, to get back out of the king's chamber, back down the ladder, and then out through the top of the mountain and get to the peak of the mountain before the time yeah. ran well, out. Well, you basically had to do it per- perfectly. Because it was yep. one of those things, like, in the first few seconds, if you fumbled, it was just like, ah, give up and start again because yep. you weren't going to make it, you know? You weren't going to make it. And I don't know how many times I would be on the final jump and the guy was ascending that final stretch where as soon as he touched down, it was going to be over, you know, and you, you would be successful. And a fucking bat would come down and peel yep. that thing off my head. And I'd be like, motherfucker, and I'd just go nuts. And like fling the controller and kick the television and throw the Atari and be like, <laughs> just have a total friggin' meltdown. That's why I get such a kick out of it. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I think it's GameFly. It's one of those game, you know, where you can send away for games through the mail or something. There's a commercial that oh, shows where all people, the people just are like, screaming and beating yeah. the hell out of the everything. Yeah. yeah. throwing the TV out. That was yeah. me. I uh, did shit because yeah, I, I would go nuts. Oh, I know. <laughs> I remember your house when you lived with your parents with your box full of trashed uh, joysticks. And I remember when we lived together on Monroe Avenue and you and Kevin Melvin would hang up upstairs and you had a box full of trashed mm-hmm. and Nintendo joysticks. So, yeah. I used to, I used to, I used to lay in my room at night and hear the sound of joysticks <laughs> raining down upon the ground like a meteor <laughs> storm above my head. Is that 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 was back in the day? I don't know if he still chews tobacco, but remember he would be sitting there like filling a, a, oh, a yeah. big like soda bottle or a forty ounce. Uh, he didn't drink then. He was teetotaling then, but he would have some big container that he would just be spitting into. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> man, I forgot about that. But yeah, you're right. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves yeah. though, because there's still, still a shitload the... of Atari 2600. Now, what's funny? I thought about this today. I was thinking, what was you know? I know what like some of my favorites were, but I was like, what was the worst one? And I, it suddenly hit me what the worst fucking game I ever played on the Atari 2600 had to easily be a game that you introduced me to because I think you owned it. You either owned it or you had borrowed it from somebody. It was that space shuttle game. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. That game sucked. 
Well, because it was trying to be like a rudimentary flight, it was trying to be a realistic flight simulator, mm-hmm. and it was so fussy, and the and the graphics at that time were so not. Oh my God, I completely forgot. You know what? <laughs> I'll bet you that game is worth a small fortune. I'll bet you that that was a rare, hard to find. Mm-hmm. That game was like. That game was like one of those games that wasn't mass marketed. It was made like by nerds somewhere as right, and it was experimental. Oh my god! I wish I had that. Oh my god! You you know that thing's worth like a thousand dollars on eBay. Shit! That game I totally forgot about it. Oh, it so was terrible. Bad. I forgot about it. You had to pull the joystick back and mm-hmm. fire the rockets at the beginning, and then you had to to. Navigate. I don't even see that game on the list here. There's a wiki list. I'll send you the link here. It's the list it of Atari a, 2600 games. I don't even see that game on the list. It was like it was like some I mean literally it was like some software company that used to work for NASA. Probably, right, yeah. That that, but that, that was, made it. Wasn't it actually uh uh I could be wrong but I thought that that was actually Oh, here it is. Is yeah. this it? Space Shuttle Journey into Space. That's got to be it. They don't have a picture or anything, though. It's it says Activision. It. Okay, that's it. it. Was yeah, Activision. I was thinking it was. A, yeah, I was thinking it was yeah, an actual Atari-made game, but it's it was third party. You know what? Now I'm thinking maybe I, I'm thinking maybe that was one we. You know what? I'm completely wrong. I think that's one we got out of like the 99 cent bin somewhere. <laughs> now that I think I'm, about it, I don't it. know. It was terrible. Man, it was I'd, terrible. I had forgot. That's something like totally out of my memory that I never would have remembered if you hadn't brought it up. God. Well, the thing that sucked about that game is is it gave you a double whammy. Is that you're absolutely right. The controls were so fucking fidgety in that game that you couldn't do it the way that they wanted you to do it. So all you could do was crash. So then you kept trying to come up with these spectacular crashes, and the crash videos sucked. Yeah. So it's like you would you would be coming in and you'd do something stupid. To make yourself crash on purpose, and it's just like and even burr, that was because it was like burp. Yeah, exactly. Burp. And it was a broken screen. It was just a game over. And you're like, well, that sucked. So yeah, it, it would be a long time before we got games with like a really good, you know, crash simulator type of thing. Well, that was that was in the that was I remember when you came back visiting from the Air Force and. I can't remember which game it was, but this was this is getting way ahead of ourselves. But it was one of those car racing games where your crash would be instant replayed. Race I, driver, race or something driver, like or something. That. I remember yeah. going to Syracuse with you. Mm-hmm. We were driving to Syracuse in your hot and your fucking hot rod to to oh play that God. game and watch yeah. it and just cracking up as you would do these ridiculous, you know, crashes and and then. Yep. And then we would wait for the instant replay and just, like, laugh our asses off. Laugh our asses off, exactly. Meanwhile, though, uh, you know, I mean, racing on the Atari 2600 was just terrible. I remember, like, pole position. Remember when they first adapted pole position? Mm -hmm. And pole position was, like, was state-of-the-art in the arcades, and they made pole position for... Atari just tried to make all the arcade games before they really should have tried. You know, Pac-Man right. being one of the most disappointing things of... Pac-Man for the Atari 2600 was like the episode one of our generation. Mm-hmm. When we were kids, it was like, Pac-Man's coming out for the Atari. 
didn't look like it. Didn't sound, sound like, like it, it. Didn't play like it. Yeah, it was. It was shit. horrifyingly yeah. just terrible. It was a not a bad game as a something not Pac-Man, but it was not Pac-Man at all. And I remember just. I remember like the profound disappointment of plugging in the Pac-Man game and going, "Wait, why is Pac-Man square?" <laughs> Right. And his lip is exactly. just going rah, 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 rah. Like, no, Pac-Man's a, you know, got a closing mouth, not the, uh, yeah. Pac-Man goes rah, 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 not rah, rah. I'm serious, dude. I, I, I came up with a list just purely off the top of my head of all the, the, the Atari 2600 games I could remember ever playing that I truly enjoyed and really, really liked. And only three of them are actual, like, made by Atari. All the rest of them were were third-party games, but there was... And, you know, this one I can't even say that I truly liked. It's just I fucking stuck with it until I beat the cocksucking thing, which, which was one. that fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark game. Can Indiana Jones escape from the forces of evil? Can he survive 13 fiendish situations? Will Indy make it all the way? Find out in Atari's Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure game. It's diabolically difficult. It's mysterious. It's never the same twice. And it's only from Atari. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember. I I... I I would watch I would mostly read comics while you were playing with that. I try that one in ET I tried playing both of those a little bit and gave up on them really quickly because they yeah. were just like I don't like I I'm not a big like of those like especially in those days where it was like like adventure and stuff where you're like going from room to room and trying to figure things out and stuff like that. I like shooting things down or eating things or Right. You know, destroying something, and uh, so th- those ga- uh, those games always seem like, well, just watching you play them seem like an exercise in frustration, especially that it was. ET game where you had to stand on the edge of the hole and drop into the that hole and crane out your sucked. neck, and yeah, oh that that game. I mean, you know, um, and this is I'm also going to bring up another great victory is recently the guy who you know the angry video game nerd a lot of people have heard of the yeah. angry video game nerd before him the the guy he sort of totally in my opinion ripped off was this guy named Armaki Arnaki and one of the funniest videos i've ever seen is is Arnaki doing a running commentary while he's playing the ET game and talking about <laughs> you know when it came out what a piece of shit you know how expensive it was and then, mm-hmm. you know, once he got at home and found out what a complete piece of shit it was, you know, not only was it horrible to play, but there weren't there only like three boards and they were basically yep. just different colored screens with one little blocky Raiders of the Lost Ark was the same thing. You know, there was nothing that, you know, Ra- didn't Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark had snakes in it and stuff like that that were just sort of like a squiggly block that would go. And you know they could do better because they came out with um, um, Pitfall not long after yep. that where they, you had, you know, it was like, oh, there's an alligator. Oh, that's a snake. Hey, look, it's a scorpion. You know, you could 
you could actually make hey look my character has a hat on <laughs> well the, the most frustrating thing about that game was for one this was in the days you, you got to and this this is another one of those things this is going to blow your mind folks if you didn't live through these days this was in the days before save games mm -hmm. you couldn't save your fucking game so if you were playing something like Raiders, now granted there weren't a lot of story-based games. Most of them were just you know, play till Space you die. Invader kind, of, yeah, play till, till you die, die kind of games. Raiders was unique because it was one of the maybe the first, I'm not sure, but one of the very first story-based games where it was it was a puzzle solver. It's like Tomb Raider, mm -hmm. you know. So you had to go find this piece, then find out where this piece fits, and then get the next piece and find out where that piece goes and put the puzzle together and find the Ark and rescue them. That you know, the game's over. Oh fuck! You could play this game for like twelve hours, get to the part where indie and this is this is what used to aggravate the shit out of me, is you know it, it was it was only very loosely based on the movie. There was one part where you had to parachute off a mesa, and catch a branch that would pull you into a mm -hmm. secret room. It's like where the hell is there a parachute in Raiders of the Lost which, Ark? Which right? sounds which actually sounds exciting, but like the way the no. mesa looked and no. the way everything it, looked was just like was literally like a, a kindergartner was given a crayon and said make a hole in the ground and they drew a straight line you know right. it was it and was so literally that bad it was a it was a lesson in just total frustration and and just anger and rage because <laughs> you couldn't do it once you couldn't do it twice you couldn't do it in the first 50 fucking tries you just had to keep practicing over it. But the problem was, is after you use your lives up, fucking game over, man. You got to start that entire friggin' game all yep. over again devote, from the very beginning. Devote your and time. why I did it is beyond me. Why but I did yourself up? Yeah, exactly. So I finally beat the friggin' thing, and for a reward, my mother brought me Riddle of the Sphinx. This <laughs> is the same yep. fucking kind of. And I, I don't think I ever played that game for more than like five minutes. I was like, nope, I'm never playing another game like this again. Yeah. You know, another like riddle solving game. I was like, nope, to hell with these games. I'll just, I'll play something that'll, you know. I mean, I play, I, I, I played the Pac Man. I played the Space Invaders and the Asteroids on Atari Twenty Six Hundred like crazy. All those games were very playable. They weren't up to the par but they were playable pac-man was disappointing because it wasn't pac-man but as a game you could play asteroids if you played it on easy you could flip that game you know that was one of the first right. game i ever flipped and i was very excited about doing that and and you know they had their own sort of feel to them but uh before we i i just want to make sure i want to give a shout out to all the uh, to all the other platforms at that time period of minor importance, like your Timex Sim Sinclair playing the flight simulator on your Timex Sinclair uh, <laughs> computer. That's um, true. I had my well, before we jump ahead to those, though, there, there were there were some others in that touch on. Oh well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to oh, okay. skip out on on uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I just oh, wanted right. to. I just wanted oh, go to, ahead. to sort of spew them out and get them out of the get them out of the way because they're right in this time period. There was a Timex Sinclair. I used to have my TRS-80 Model 1, and I had that spaceship game that you would load in off a cassette tape. We've talked about yeah. that before. Um, the kid down the street who had the um, ColecoVision, which was... Uh, and you had your cousins with the Intellivision, which we'll probably get to yeah. that. We'll get to yeah, talk, I do want to about talk about that a little that. more in depth. What was that kid's name with the ColecoVision? Because that Brian was the Robbins. first time I... Yes, that's right. 
That was the first time I ever laid eyes. I, di- I didn't even get to play that day. I only got to watch you guys play, but that was the first time I ever saw ColecoVision, and I fell in it love. Was way better than... <laughs> Hell Atari. yeah, it was. It was graphically awesome. And uh, and then uh, even better than that was uh, going over to Chuck Champagne's and playing on his uh, Amiga. On his Commodore oh, Amiga. Holy shit, I'd forgotten playing, all like, about Minor it. 2049er and early yep. versions of um, Lemmings. And now, do you remember the computer? Games. I don't remember what it, it probably Commodore 64, but I honestly don't remember. But there was a computer game that was Star Trek, but it wasn't graphics based. It was that was you know, that was on the TRS-80, and that started okay, yeah. in the Vax lines. And they had sort of they used letters and and you know stuff off the keyboard to make the Enterprise. Right. You would fly from sector to sector, and you could plot right. out which sectors had Klingons, and you would go and you would shoot at the Klingons, and then you would get more. You know, you would show up, and if you had more photon torpedoes than the Klingons, you could kill all the Klingons there. If not, you had to get the hell out of there. And that was fun because that was a truly nerd game. That I mean, was, you had to know math ner- and you had to understand vectors and yes. quadrants and yeah, it was, that was actually that a was lot in of the fun. old days when nerds were the when that stuff was the exclusive vi- you know. I mean, in in high school we used to play on our TRS 80s, we'd play all those bootleg video games and the teacher would be playing and the only ones who could <laughs> play them were the nerds cuz we were the only ones who knew how to get those goddamn things running and you know right and stuff like that so you know once again nerds on the cutting edge of of everything and well now video games are so video games are now so easy to not easy to play but they're so accessible now that yeah it's like housewives are becoming addicted to you know you know killing zombies and (laughs) and stuff like that it's it's kind of awesome but Oh uh, yeah, I mean, t- I, I, my favorite Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I remember Attack of the Beefsteak Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. That was one I played a lot. That was one that was like, I think that was from a ninety-nine cent bin too. Um, mm-hmm. One that you had was Kool Aid Man versus the Thirsties. We've talked about that one yep. before. I think I sent. A, wasn't that one that you like sent away for in the mail? You, it was like you, you sent in your. Well, you your your family was were Kool Aid drinkers. I remember your oh, mom yeah. would have like a. Um, I was recently accused of still being a Kool-Aid drinker, too. Oh, that's right. That's right. It means something different now. This was all... Well, no, this was all post-Jim Jones, but still, drinking the Kool-Aid wasn't a phrase back then. But I I remember your mom had a big Tupperware full of packets of Kool-Aid in it, and I think it was like you saved up those proof of purchases of Kool-Aid, and and after a while, you got a free, you know, postage and handling video game. And I remember it was one of those things you were like... Ah, uh, yeah, we're sending away for Kool Aid Man. That ought to be worth a laugh. And then we we're like, hey, you know what? This isn't actually too bad at all. What's funny is there has to be variants of that game because whenever I see pictures of it in comic bo- in old comic books, to this very day, the graphics don't match the version of the game that I had. No, there was, there, yeah, there was a, there was like a Coleco version of it or something. There was one for a right. different platform that that and that looked better. So that was a picture they always used. Because right. the one we used was very blocky, but it was still it was a fun it was a fun game. You know, it used those crappy graphics to good effect. You know, it had an, and it had an interesting idea. It had the thirsties were coming in, and you had a gigantic like pool full of Kool Aid. 
right. they, would yeah, pool. they would drop their straws in and start drinking and going <laughs> and you just basically had to touch you run over them with Kool-Aid man and then they would disappear and What's funny when I play that game and hear that sound now it just makes me horny. <laughs> I always pick I always thought of it more as like it, it reminded me of this cartoon that I saw as a kid with all these mosquitoes like increasingly like landing on a sleeping person and they basically they you know it, it was it was a parable about oil you know they were you know they started pumping so much blood till finally the person was like wakes up and is all like you know sucked dry but uh, it reminded me of that, you know. It, I, I, they could have easily altered that game to where it was like you had a spaceship and you were killing giant mosquitoes that were sucking the blood out of something, you know. Right. It, it, yeah, it was. It had it had kind of a little bit of an obscene edge to it, you know. But all the best well, do. Yeah, I, I still say the third-party ones were the best, but a, a couple that were, so far as I can remember, were actual Atari-made games for the Atari was uh, Yar's Revenge. I yes. love that game. I yes. played shit out of that game. And I, once I again, an original it. game. It wasn't a yeah. ported over from from a, a stand arcade game. It was, And so it worked better because it was designed... Mm-hmm. To, you know, to, to work on its own. It's funny now that I think about it, I don't think I owned that game. I think that was Mrs. Burton's. I think she used to let me borrow You're it. Right, I think I would that. just borrow it and play it. But I like, damn, I love that game. I played that one, and uh, one that I taught myself to get good at to the point where nobody would play with me anymore because you had to get other, you had to recruit others to be able to play the game was Warlords. And it had that little. That was the one that used the paddle right. instead of the joystick. Right, and you had and four you had corners. Castle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, I was I got good at that, that game. Was, I liked that was the, a cool you know. game. You could sort and of I, slide around the edges of your castle and catch the balls yeah. and hold on to them and then shoot them at somebody else. Yep. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember like, you, me, Randy, and Michelle playing that game and you pissing yep. everybody off. You'd mm-hmm. meet everybody. And, and, and actually, Randy was the one who, you know, that what would always happen is Randy would always blow first. He would always be just like, "God damn it, <laughs> my controller's not working." Yeah. He used to say, so Why do you always give me the crappy con- controller? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I used to like uh, the tank battle game that came with Atari Two until M Network came out with Armor Ambush. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that game? Mm-hmm. That game kicked ass because the graphics were better. The tanks actually looked like tanks, and they move. You could move diagonally on the board, well, and uh, you I could mean, do that bank original shots. tank game. That one was just the classic because that's the one that came basically plugged in. Like that was when you first got your Atari. You got tank battle and sports. Yeah, they were like the two that came with with your Atari, you know, so right, yeah. so that at least you had something to play. And the sports ones had a couple of fun, you know, it had basically versions of Pong and stuff like that. But the tank battle one was the most fun. I still remember the control, you know, how all the controls worked on it and stuff. And yeah. And the, the sound. <laughs> Well, I liked uh, I liked Armor Ambush so much better, and if I I could be wrong, but I think 
that was the one where you they gave you two tanks so you had one in reserve and you could kind of switch control back maybe i'm wrong about that i'm not sure but i know it had like water hazards and stuff i mean it had like you know like if you went through a a, an area you know it was just green blocks but it was supposed to be like like a forest or something your tank would go slower if you drove in the water you would go slower and then you even had a version where you could switch it to where uh, you could do like bank shots and stuff. It was I liked that game. That was that game was actually a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, wasn't there a part? It was it was very much like the tank battle one, where you could shoot your missile and then you could use a joystick to sort of steer it. You know, to to oh, oh, bend yeah. it around corners and stuff. And <laughs> you used to really that. you used to be really good at that and you used to I was really good at that and used to off piss that. everybody yeah. off exactly yeah I was I forgot about that you're absolutely would be like why is it bending <laughs> it's like it's chasing me and then you would laugh just like that and then he would throw something and <laughs> I don't remember Randy playing a whole lot of video games Not probably for long. because Randy wasn't good at them I don't think he was good at video games. He wasn't good at them. He had no patience for them. But, you know, I mean, if you were going to hang out with us a lot of times, that's what was going on. But exactly. not for long, you know. But the, the, the thing about it is if if any of us got too frustrated with, with video games, you always had 8 billion comics sitting around your room. So <laughs> you could always, like, you know, peel off the video game and just go read read a couple dozen comics. I do remember my friends quite frequently saying "fuck this" and just yeah. <laughs> reading comics yeah. while I would, you know, play some computer and game then, or and whatever. Finally, you'd be like, "fuck it!" Now I got it all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you remember Omega Race? Huh? Omega Race? I. That was like it was like the cooler version of uh, of of Asteroids, but it was a home version game. And it had that special controller that it came with that fit over top of your joystick, and it had a thrust button and a fire button built into it. Do you remember that game? Vague. I remember it just by the name of it. I cannot picture it at all, really. I remember buying that thing, like, on the cheap somewhere. You know, out of one of, like, the bargain bins. And being like, damn, this game kicks ass. I mean, it was a lo- it was actually a lot of fun. I seem to remember, you see, now I'm remembering it, now that you mentioned that, and I'm remembering the extra controller. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I might be getting that mixed up with the Tron control, you know, the ultra-cool Tron controller that you had, too. It was ultra-cool, except it didn't play worth a shit. No, but it looked awesome. <laughs> it I know, I wish I still had looking. that. I hope I got a lot of money. I can't. I know I sold that on eBay a few years ago, and I hope to God I got a lot of money out of it because I kind of wish I still had it today, but I, I can't remember what I got for it. But yeah, it looked just like the arcade controller, and it. But it was for the home version of. I think it came with both of the M Network Tron games in the package. I forget. It came. It came with at least one of the games, but I, I think it may have had both games in there. It was like. Tron Deadly Discs and Adventures of Tron, I think, something like that. But it, it was a special release package that had the actual, you know, the ga- the replica controller inside of it. I love that thing, but man, it did not play worth a shit. I'm trying to think what other game. I had a couple I other. Oh, the controller basically sat on display at your place more than it did. Oh, yeah. actually getting used. Yeah, you, you could you couldn't use it. It just it, it's like it just didn't 
it didn't register the movements or something. I don't know. It's, it's like it wasn't constructed well or constructed to really be able to play the game or something. I don't know. It was almost like a souvenir or something rather than a f- truly functional joystick. It was like there was one. There was at least one direction that it just didn't register when you pushed it in that direction. It just wouldn't move or some shit. I forget. You remember Planet Patrol? Yes. I like that game, too. I remember that being one of the first games I can remember where where you would be flying along in your spaceship and it would actually change from day into night. Mm-hmm. And then you, you couldn't see. It was like everything was dark and the only way you could light your way was to fire Just off fire. shots. Yeah. Yeah. I like that game. And uh, Atlantis was a good game. Oh. You had the uh, you had you know you you had a um like a you had those you the, turret yeah and it had those neat the the neat sort of UFO I don't know if they were UFO or submarines but they had like the bu- uh, the front of them was like a bubble and then they had a long back on them and would drop bombs and stuff right yeah that was a good game because it was it was almost it was basically space invaders but instead of being a little movable platform or whatever the hell you're supposed to be fighting with in Space Invaders, you were actually in a in a static turret, but you could aim the turret just slightly, right. Right. almost like the ion cannon it in would, Star Wars. It would Wars. rotate across the top of it. Right. Yeah. Hey, that, do you, I like that do one, Do you remember too. Phoenix? Oh, yeah, I remember sucking at it. I remember you were good at that game. That was one that I was really good. That was one where you could... Where you had to, if you shot them in the middle, you would kill it. They were birds, but if yeah. you shot them on the side, like one of their wings would disappear and then slowly grow back. So you had to always you had to you had to hit them in the center of their body in order to actually make any uh, progress in that one. I yeah, I remember that one be, being really good at that one at, on the uh, Atari. Now I'm no. Now I know I should have. I should have probably done some research because I would have figured out a lot. You know, there's probably a lot of games that I'm uh, that I'm forgetting. But then again, we are trying to keep from making a six-hour show right. this time. And well, yeah, I, I will. I I definitely will be will, the the forum thread that we have on this is going to be one of those threads. It's not only going to fill up with people going, remember this game and this game? It's going to fill up with clips from screenshots and stuff yeah, and screenshots, screenshots and all sorts of yeah. and pictures of I got to dig it out somewhere at a garage sale. Um, I basically bought a shoebox full of just just the manuals for Atari 2600 games. All you need to get those scanned. the classics. Even the the one I'm trying to th- I think it was with uh, with Garcia Lopez art. Do you remember that one? It was um, it was based on a comic. It even came with a comic with like Garcia Lopez Atari Force. Atari Force, yes, exactly. Yeah. I've got the Atari yeah. Force comic and just all those classic. I could be wrong, but I think those actually have some value to them because people are trying to collect those because they, they're, they're somewhat rare. They're somewhat hard to find, some, or at least some, last I heard they were. Some of them are. I remember, I remember bringing them. I remember making the decision. It was one of those things where I brought them back from a garage sale and I ha- sometimes I have to make this, this, the, the strong decision of like, do I want to put this on eBay or do I want to keep it for myself? And then I do a little research, and sometimes 
you know, sometimes I'll find stuff and it'll, it'll be like, ooh, I could get a good dollar amount for that on eBay, but it's Star Wars, so I'm keeping it because I don't have it. So it's like, you know, it's going to my collection. But I remember looking at those and deciding to keep them and going, yeah, some of them will go for a buck or two, you know, and if I sold them all, I'd make, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks. But at the same time, it's I just love pulling out that shoebox every once in a while and going through. It's just the, the, the packaging and the the graphics on them and a lot of them had little comic books that would go you know cartoon cartoons that would go along with them or a little story you know they're right just, they're just great you know and they're all little booklet size i don't know they they push those collecting buttons but um if i can find those i'll probably pull out a bunch of those and scan them up for uh even if i don't find them i'll be able to find a lot of the covers you know on yeah. on, on google but at the same time if I have that shoebox, you know, there's going to be a lot of them that I don't remember the names of them. I'm going to pull them out and go, oh, my God, yes. Especially, yeah. you know, there, I I can see on the thread this would be a great little visual uh, thing to do is uh, find the games that had awesome, insane-looking graphics on their, their cover that made the oh, game yeah, look some like of those. it was awesome. And yeah, the game some of the, the uh, artworks. Yeah, yeah. You would see this yeah. game that looked like it's just like, oh my god, I'm playing this giant multi tentacle. You know, I'm fighting this gi- giant multi tentacle fang creature. You know, on top of a mountain with lightning going, and then the game is like two, you know, blobs bumping up against each other. You know, well, shit. Uh, Bugs was like that. You know, Bugs. I bought that game for I don't know, like a buck or two at Ames in the discount bin. Just because the cover art was fucking awesome on that game, and you know the game wasn't bad, but I, remember I mean it that was... game not being too horrible. Yeah, now that yeah. I think about it, I mean, no, you, know, you know what? I'm getting I'm getting that mixed up with an arcade game called Ladybug. Oh, okay, no, this was something different. It was it was like a sort of like a centipede ripoff, uh-huh. if I remember right. Uh huh. But you know, I mean, a good example of what you're talking about is hell the the Atari cover to uh, you know cover box art to. Um, Superman. Oh yeah, it was the it was that T-shirt art that I you know that T-shirt that I just got from like Superman. What was it? Superman issue two hundred or whatever. You know the Superman year two. Uh, no, three hundred. Superman three hundred. Uh, Superman tw- uh, two thousand one. I'm pretty sure it's that same piece yeah. of art. And Superman was really just a that blob. Games. He was just oh, like a blue God. and red blob with like a line coming off it that that meant cape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. None of those those early superhero games. Spider Man was another atrocity. I actually have that somewhere. I picked it up somewhere for like. I, I, don't, I don't think, think Spider Man like got a decent game till the PlayStation. Really, that game was great. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you know now now I played some of the further Spider Man games, and that one still was the one. You know, that was the yeah. first one where it was like, okay, you actually feel like you're 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 maneuvering like Spider Man and. And it was intuitive enough so that you could do some, you could swing around really like Spider-Man. Whereas, I remember that Atari. I remember the sole complaint I had and hyped in it. And every comic book we bought from Marvel had ads for it. And uh, then you know when you saw the actual gameplay, it was just like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, it was pitiful. The sole complaint I had about that PlayStation... Actually, I played it on the PC, and it looked even better, you know, depending on what you had running for a PC. But that was a great game on the PC. The only problem I had with that game, and it was a necessity of the time, 
you know, that they, they couldn't really do anything to address the problem. But they had a story element where Dr. I think it was Doc Ock released some chemical or something. So there was a, you know, you basically spent most of the game on rooftops. Right. And there was like a green mist that was like two or three stories below you on the rooftops. And if you went too far down, then you died. So you couldn't actually swing down to street level. That that part of it kind of sucked. But the rest of that game, totally fucking awesome. That was a great, great game. That's still probably the best Spider-Man game they ever did, in my opinion. Although they've done some good ones, you know, that you know really captured you know the essence of web swinging and stuff. But as far as actual gameplay and the villains that you fought and the voice acting and all, damn, that was a good game. That was really well, good. But that's getting ahead of the story yeah, the, a little the, bit. The, the graphics on the twenty six hundred were just not up to doing a game based on something that was supposed to look like someone you could recognize. You know, right? You just right. didn't do it. You know. You could make a blob that was the right colors, but that was about it, you know, I mean, yeah. So I don't, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think, let me see, so 86 would have still been the Atari, right? Mm-hmm. By oh, that yeah. point, so yeah, so you know, we, we graduated, we went off and did our own thing. Somewhere during that time is when I was in the, the service, and then that's when I saw the NES for the first time but I didn't own one for a long time because I just never saw anything that I liked enough to go you know what I gotta get one of these things and I, I can't even remember when I finally did break down and buy one I can't remember what I even bought it what game I bought it for but I don't I don't remember playing a whole lot of NES I remember playing the shit out of Castlevania the oh, first yeah. one and the third one beyond that I I really don't remember playing a whole lot of NES. I'm trying to rem I'm trying to think of what else I did play, but I'm just I'm blanking, you well, know. I didn't I didn't even see it. You like when you when you moved into the place where we were living with me and John. Was it just you, me, and John? It was just you and me and John. Yeah, at that it was place. the three of us. Yeah. And, and Scott had. I know we've talked about this before, but I'll just bring it up again. Scott had the serial killer room. We had an apartment, yeah. and he had the. It was an attic that had once. You you don't want to call it a refinished attic because it was more like a definished attic. It had once been a room where somebody had lived in, but this was back in the day. Probably there were still implements in there for gas torches, for lights. You know, there were there right. were tubes coming out the wall that would have had gas coming through them where you'd light the torch, and. It was an attic, you know, just a, your standard, not a really dirty attic. It had a fairly finished floor and rough walls and, you know, the came to a point. And then in the middle of that attic was built a room, you know, a squared off area with a, with a ceiling that you could get above, you know, to the, to the attic. And, you know... Basically, you know, the walls were like starting to go inside there. You know, there were, ho you know, holes in the plaster in the wall. It looked like an abandoned, you know, it was like an, a, did, and, and like, was there electricity up there or did we have to run oh, yeah, it up in, yeah. in, um, extension cords? Ah, uh, you know what? Now that you say that, now you got me doubting myself. I'm not sure there was electricity now that you say that. I'm pretty sure we ran it up there with like five the, long the extension best. cords. 
the best visual I could possibly give to describe for the for the you know to give them the listeners a good mental image is think of the room that the lady finds Edward Scissorhands in in the beginning of that movie yes. and it looked a lot like that and it looked a lot like that and I, I know probably none of you have ever been to like Scott's house or know Scott but Scott's a very neat person he keeps a very neat room he keeps his stuff you know and it was a challenge, you know, to make that. I remember feeling just terrible that that was the room, you know, because you we'd already moved in there. I had one room. John had another room. There weren't any other rooms. That was the only other place to stay. That was what you were sort of stuck with. And I remember being kind of mortified that you were living in that. It, it, you know, I mean, it was it was it, I mean, it wasn't like it was going to collapse, but it was just kind of it was like being in an abandoned building. Uh, right, but you know, you, there were couches. You know, it, it, outside of it was a nice place to hang out. You had couches and a table and a TV with the video games and stuff. And you had your bed and like books and stuff in 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 the in the bedroom. But yeah, it was it was just that. And um, the the window out to the street where we used to just cause so much uh, chaos. But um. Basically, when you moved in there, you came in with an NES, and that was the first NES I'd ever seen. That was like state-of-the-art. State I was like, woo, Scott's got like, you know, that was like, I was just out of college, you were out of the Air Force, we were both just directionless, you know, it was sort of like, ah, you right. know, we'll get jobs to pay the rent, and... You know, get food, hang out with our friends, and play video games, and go to movies and stuff. You know, just sort of, you know, you and I would go to garage sales and stuff, but we were just sort of bumming around. And right next door to us, our friend Kevin lived, and these two, and and basically, yeah, the only game I really remember you guys playing was Castlevania, and yeah, you got, but you guys would sit and play it all night. I'd All be night, going yeah. to bed at four in the morning, and you guys would be up there. God damn it! Blah, 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 play. All right, good night, guys. You know, and I'd get up in the morning, and you guys and Kevin would be like crawling back to his place to go to work, and you know, there'd be two more dead joysticks upstairs. And um, just before you <laughs> moved out, you had gotten a Super Nintendo, I believe. You had upgraded, and I remember like you putting the new version, getting the new Castlevania. And putting it on the new system, and we were like, "Ooh, wow, that's really cool!" And and that was just about the time when we moved into the place on Keller Street, and that's about. All. I don't think we played many video games on Keller Street because we didn't really keep anything like video games down in the living room because there was too much riffraff in and out of that place. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember really playing a whole lot of games. Because I remember going, oh, great, this Super Nintendo seems really cool, and then never playing it <laughs> after that initial of, uh, you know, of, of you hooking it up. Maybe it wasn't even a Super... You know what? Maybe it was just you got the new version of uh, Castlevania, is what I'm thinking. Maybe that was when Castlevania 3 came out. And we were just like, ooh, these graphics are so much better. I don't better. remember ever having a, a, a soup. Well, no, I guess I did have one, but I don't remember having it then. See, I don't... I but, don't, uh... It was like... Uh, it was after we moved out of the place at Keller Street that, like, one of our roommates had a Super Nintendo, and that's when I remember right. seeing that and playing all the Star Wars games on that. Those were, See, those were great I, at the time. 
I, I'm, I was just pouring over a list of, of NES games, trying to find something that would that would jog a, a memory. And see, I never, I have never, ever, ever liked um, Mario games. See, I like. So the, I think that's. I like the Mario. I played tons of the Mario games and like Doc and the puzzle ones, like Doctor Mario. Right. Yeah. And and. That's what I liked about the NES is it had those first great like bubble bobble and right. and a great version of Tetris, you know. Tetris, yeah. And stuff like that. that those are the ones and in the in the Mario games were the ones I used to I could sit and play those for for hours on the on the NES. The only one I can think of off the top of my head that I I remember playing, I remember you and I playing the shit out of it. Which will lead into the next section is uh, we played the shit out of blades of what was blades it blades of steel of steel steel Fight. that was it blades of steel and we were playing that at the very time the Genesis came out mm. Genesis came out and we got fucking addicted to NHL hockey do you remember that that's what I'm thinking of you had gotten the Genesis I got the Genesis yeah and the Genesis kicked ass the graphics were so much better the gameplay was fluid and clean and it was in stereo sound remember that it was a home unit was, uh, that's where I felt like holy shit arcade games have truly finally come home to come home yeah NHL hockey fucking kicked ass that was such a good yes, game we played hours and hours of that and blades blades of steel was what was the one though where you would face off and and pound on each other didn't you on both of them right no you fought in nhl but i don't remember fighting in in what i remember in blades of steel that made it so much fun is you could you either tripped or clubbed the guys from behind i, I no, can't remember blades of actually, steel blades of steel the fight was like the whole game would stop, That's and you would right. face yes, off, yes. and you would beat right. each other like a boxing game. Whereas right. in the NHL yeah. one, you would just be playing. And then all of a sudden you would rough up someone and they would fucking throw off their gloves and you'd throw off your gloves and just fuck it. And if you pounded them unconscious, you got to play on. You know, it was... Right. The game didn't stop for the fights. You would beat someone down and then play on. And that made that game great. Because I remember that when we would play each other, we would just, you know, fuck getting a score. Let's just (laughs) beat each other unconscious just to piss the other person off. It's just like you didn't have to do that. No, I didn't have to do that. But damn, it was fun, you know. Well, you just I loved, skate up behind someone and start punching them in the back of the neck. Well, what I loved about EA games was that they understood why people loved that game, yeah. and so every subsequent edition got more and more violent and sadistic to a point where, remember, there was the edition where. Uh, the fights got more violent to where you could actually make the guy fucking bleed out on the ice and take him out of the game. If you were playing like season mode, you could actually take somebody out for the entire for the season. Season. 
and then it got he shows up in the sidelines in a wheelchair, like yeah. you know, brain damaged. Yeah. Or remember, you could uh, you could do sla- from the very first edition, you could do slap shots. But eventually, I think it was like NHL '93 or something, where you could do slap shots that could hit another player yes. and take them out of the game. You could do body checks that would knock them through the glass. Yep into the stands and take them out of the game. I mean, it got vicious, and I loved it. I fucking <laughs> loved that game. I played the shit. The only, the only thing that came even remotely close to that was uh, Mutant League Hockey. But that one was intentionally yes. like sick and violent, because it was like, you'd have like robots and zombies and stuff yeah. out on the ice, and you'd like dismember people. You know, that one was just for comedy. You know, the, the NHL was supposed to be real game <laughs> simulation of beating people, yeah. yes. But you could actually, you know, again, you know, if you just wanted to try to win the game through attrition rather than actually being any good and scoring goals, you could do it. Well, you and you I know? grew up actually watching local hockey leagues, which... And and Slapshot. We grew up on local hockey leagues and Slapshot, which equals violence, you know. Right. The best part of Slapshot and of local hockey leagues is when the blood would start pumping. Get out there in the ice and let them know you're there. Get that fucking stick in his side. Let him know you're there. Yeah. Get that lumber in his teeth. Now let him know you're there. Lead all over him. Let him know you're there. I remember that uh, when it finally caught on, to like people that weren't necessarily geeky you know like my like my uncle gary my uncle gary ended up getting uh, a genesis and getting really really into nhl hockey and so we formed a little league mm-hmm. and like it would be we'd have tournaments and everybody would come over to gary's house and it'd be like my uncle gary randy me and a whole bunch of like my uncle gary's friends and we would have like a hockey night and have like a tournament and i remember him yeah. so fucking pissed that he would just send me home because they were all playing like professional hockey and I'm out there just being a fucking goon, you know, yeah. just you know, just tearing them up and you know, just you know, Which not is even... still professional hockey to me. There's yeah, still, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, but he'd get pissed because he'd be like, you know, all right, no more fucking hacking, you know, no more cross checking or you know, all this shit, you know, all these technical things. And it was like that's why I wanted to play. I why was do you pol- think they put it in the game? Yeah. yeah. I was, you know, he's trying to pull off like all these fancy hat tricks and shit, and I'm just like getting my big, biggest, burliest guy out there and just like knocking the shit yeah. out of his players. And he would get really fucking pissed off. It was great. I loved it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, it, didn't, it didn't go by any set playing style. You could try to be professional. Or you could just go yeah. out, goon it up, you know, and it. And it well, that's the thing happen. is, you weren't. The game did not punish you for being a goon. Nope. So, I mean, so you're to get sent to the penalty box, but you know. But yeah, but in the in the in the long term math of the thing, sometimes it was okay to send. You still yep. won. Yep. <laughs> At the end of the game, you'd still win. You know, so what if you had guys sent to the penalty box? You'd still be a winner. <laughs> the other. Well, person there was would that one version of the- on the ice. Yeah. Well, there was that one version, I forget what year it was, and they ended up fixing it like the very next year, but there was the one year where the addition that they put out, I mean, the, the goalie, no matter what goalie you picked, they were extremely susceptible to, uh, what do you call it, a deke? Is it a deke? 
I forget what they call it. I used to know the term for it now. But it's like a fake out. You know, it's like you skate uh -huh. down, you skate down, and it looks like you're going to shoot it to the left, and all of a sudden you shoot it to the right, and you just fake it in the net. I got fucking spectacular at that move. And they those guys would get so fucking pissed with that. But it was just, it was not really me being good so much as having good timing and knowing that the goalies in the in the programming were susceptible to this one move so you got to the point where you could almost score at will and they just get just livid about it you know but then the next year they made rather than than make the controls to where you controlled the goalie more sophisticated they just made the ai more intelligent so then the goalie wasn't as susceptible to these fake outs you know but damn i love that game I, I got the shit out of that, but that one eventually evolved to, you know, the the polygonal style too, and I, I didn't right. like it as much. It, it moved away from that, you know, whatever that perspective was that we enjoyed so much. But damn, that was a great game. I just remember the stereo sound of whacking the puck. Yeah. Very real. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, <laughs> realistic at the time. You know, it yeah. had that sharp crack of. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like cold ice, you know? It sounded like something sliding across cold. It was really nice. That's what impressed me so much about that game was the, the, you know, a lot of it had to do with the sound. Like you say, yeah, it was crisp. It sounded like a real hockey rink because we had spent time in real hockey rinks, yeah. you know? So we knew the sounds. So, like, when the, you know, when you'd take a slap shot or especially when you would hit the hit the um, boards with either a puck yeah. or a player's body, it sounded real. I mean, it well, sounded it had like that. It had that low, deep thunk, right? <laughs> and and the the high pitched slide of the ice all on there. You know that shh sound. It was really nice. <laughs> Do you remember? That was one of the first games I remember too, where you could, you know, after gameplay had stopped. You could still be an ass yeah. to where, you know, the... the <laughs> well, that's what we would do every time the game would end. We would just be rushing to beat the hell out of as many... Remember, you could just run up to people and try to beat down as many as you could before, exactly. you know, it timed out. So the, the ref would blow... They would blow the whistle, you'd won, you'd already won, and you'd go and just beat down like eight of the other people on the team while laughing maniacally. I can't even talk. It makes me laugh. No, I mean, yeah, I forgot about doing that at the end of the game. But a lot of times, like, you know, all right, you'd have a face-off, right? And you'd come out and you'd smack somebody and you'd, you'd have your little moment of gameplay. And then somebody would, you know, you know, you'd get like an icing call or some shit. And while the ref was blowing the whistle... And given the hand signals, <laughs> yeah. you'd see my player come blazing out of nowhere and fucking just lay out one of the guys on the other team. Yeah. And it was the first game I could remember where you could actually do shit like that, you know, and get away with it, you know, while gameplay was stopped. And I just remember what, what would crack us up every time is, is how fast you could get into a fight, you know. <laughs> All right, let's start to play. And like you know, they drop the, the ref would drop the puck, and then all of a sudden, like you see, the gloves hit the ground, and it's just like yes. The ultimate, though, the Game ones that on. just the most satisfying fight of all 
is after the game was over, you had the winners would all gather around each other and they were doing like the butt slap and congratulations and then the yeah. losers would like mill around at the bottom. So I would take one of my guys from the winning team, skate down there and just keep fucking body checking guys. And sometimes you'd get lucky and you'd have a post-game fight. And yep. that shit was the best. Yep. <laughs> Oh my god, I'd forgotten about that. That game was awesome. See, I I have a lot of experience with the Nintendo of watching watching other people play because after that, after like you moved out of town, I worked at this Mexican place and I hung out with a lot of teenagers. At one time, I I had one as a roommate and all his friends would come over, and I would watch them play like Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. And they would get the same demented. And that was at the point where. I don't like do it, learning all the like different combination things. Yeah. That stuff, dr- I don't... I don't have the memory for that. Yeah, it's no fun to me. That's not what I... I like simple, intuitive things that, that feel more like an extension of my own body rather than going up, up, down, down, da-da-da at the right timing to get a combination thing. But watching them play like Mortal Kombat was awesome because... You know, it's that same demented joy of watching someone's spine get pulled out of their you know, <laughs> body while everybody's like laughs their ass off. I'm gonna blow <laughs> listeners' minds, but I don't think I ever played Mortal Kombat. I'm almost positive. I've I'm never sure played I did Mortal once or twice, but I've ne- those are the, the fighting games have never been my. I, I like having games like hockey where there's a fight that breaks out, but the ones that are dedicated purely to fighting. Yeah. Most of them never really the the only one like in the arcade that ever it was in the arcade and that was where it was uh, Primal Rage where you fought two dinosaurs. And it was that's getting way ahead too. That was one of those huge yeah. when they were making the huge screen. Yeah. TVs and that or that was kind of that was bloody as hell too. But that was the first like fight something game that I would go and play with any kind of regularity. I never really you know, um, I can't. I I remember playing a good. This was on the first Nintendo. What was it with the with the kung fu guy? You, you know what I'm talking about. It was one of the first kung fu. Are you talking games. Nintendo or Genesis? This might have been back. I think this is a Nintendo. Well, I don't know which it one might you're talking even about. Be back, it might even be back on Atari 2600. It was one of the first... It was like Judo King or something like that. There was an arcade game where you would walk out and it would go fight or whatever and you could like high kick them in the face and they just collapse to the ground and shit. I remember that. Yeah, th- this was the, the, the home version of that. I oh, okay. That a lot. And it, remember, it, it was basically you were in a white, you know, a white sort of you know, fighting outfit with the sash, and there was a little Mr. Miyagi guy. Right, yeah. Yeah, that that one, that one was... I, I played that one quite a bit. But that was simple. That was like... Right. You push the joystick up towards the center, you kick towards the middle. You push it up, you know, you push up, you jump up, you know. So, once it got more complicated than that, I was I was out of the game. I like I don't the stomach like... kick because in those simple graphics, it looked like you just hauled off and just wailed them right in the balls. In the I used balls. to like that. I think they did that stuff on purpose. <laughs> the programmers, for sure. But um, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember any other. I wish. Uh, 
I wish I had, I, I, I never, uh, I think I borrowed once from somebody one of those little hand, you know, handheld football or baseball games and used to play, I played one of those all summer at summer camp. I always wanted the little, remember they'd make them for, for like tabletop version of, there was a Pac-Man and there was a Defender one, I think it was, and maybe a Space Invaders one, and they looked just like the arcade game, but they were a little tabletop version of it. I kind of vaguely remember those, yeah. There was a yeah. Pac-Man one, there was a Defender one, and I, I believe there was a Space Invaders. There was, and then there were, do you remember the Vectrex system? I always wanted one of yeah, those. Yeah, okay, yeah, I do kind of vaguely remember that. It was a tabletop video game. This was this was around 2600 time period, too, and, and it all, had all vector graphics, and you would put little plastic see-through gels over the top to add color to it <laughs> to get the different colors on it and that had a that came with a version of asteroids you know with a you know its own version of asteroids i always wanted those were the ones i always wanted you know the there was a handheld pac-man too that i remember will howard had that was really cool and i remember um playing that on the school bus was that the one that had like a little cabinet over top of it i think so to like shade the screen so you could see the screen yeah i think i remember that i think i know what you're talking about why uh i just remember being so impressed with the genesis that was one of those that i i i I thought i thought it actually died a little bit before its time because i thought that that one really was Se- a great Se- system. It didn't Sega make the dream? It, what was it called? The dream something? Oh, the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast. That was. Now, uh, I heard the Dreamcast was really good too. Was yeah, that I Sega? played the Dreamcast. Yeah, I, I when I was working for Target, um, the the fellow that I used to hang out with a lot there. I forget his name. I think his name was Justin. It was like a he big had- failure, though, wasn't it? it- Basically, it, it wasn't so much a failure as that it, it was up against. Uh, no, I don't think it was Sega. It was because um, wasn't the thing that killed it. It went up against like one of Nintendo's machine, like the sixty-four on one side, and then it had like the PlayStation on the other side. And the 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 oh yeah, maybe it was okay. Yeah, it was. I uh, think it was pretty much Sega only leaves Sega. So, yeah. Yeah, it was Sony. I was thinking. I was thinking for some reason. I was thinking Sega, um, PlayStation. I don't know why. I'm I'm tired. It's late. But uh, yeah, you're right. It was Sega PlayStation, or I mean, a Sega um, Dreamcast was sandwiched in the middle between uh, Sony's first PlayStation, and then I'm pretty sure it was the N64 was on the other mm-hmm. side. So on the one side you had like the last of the truly great cartridge games and the and the people that were resisting going to discs and then you had PlayStation which was just you know impressing the hell out of people because yeah. it was the next great technology and then lost in the middle was was the um Dreamcast which a lot of people that were really dedicated to that still maintain was a better system than the yeah. first PlayStation. Well I, I well, kind of do th- even though I never owned either one of them at the time, I didn't anyway. I, years later, I would eventually get a PlayStation. But at the time, you know, once the Genesis died, I kind of swore off video games as far as owning a system for a long, long time. Uh, around that time period, it's the same with me. You know, yeah. I, 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 
Not until not until the N64 did I pick up on video games again. Oh, did you get an N64? Oh yeah. Or my, my I don't get them. My roommate gets them and you know, they just end up as a house, you know, utility. Right. And uh yeah, cuz uh she's a, she is a Nintendo, you know, she's a fan of the those type of games, the all the new Mario games, any of those adventure ga- you know, the the sort of adventure cartoony games that they make for where you explore a world type things that they right. make them a lot for Nintendo. And Nintendo always puts more memory towards graphics. Whereas well, a PlayStation will have it playing, you know, playing you know, a PlayStation one had it playing D V or uh, CDs too. You know, so a lot of its right. power was, you know, sort of split or or, you know, surfing the web or whatever but um oh yeah and i remember when the n64 came out immediately the first thing i got was pod racer awesome and uh, but that's that that's that's like that's totally the that's totally the land of the third part of our show right well yeah before we uh before we leave uh the genesis i i had a couple shout out do you remember toe jam and earl yes that was uh that was a huge leap when that came out ever that was like a really original idea with engaging mm-hmm. graphics and gameplay you know i would i would vent you know as i as we're going through this i i'm i'm realizing that there were games there were progressions you can see it the progressions and the and the milestones that led to the video games that we have today and the kind of video games we have today I don't know if it was truly the first, but I know it was definitely the first game I ever remember playing. Toe Jam and Earl is so similar to current video games like GTA, where it's just open world, you know? Toe Jam and Earl was very much an open world game, where you could pretty much go anywhere, do anything you wanted to do, and you didn't have to necessarily follow like a linear gameplay right there was one there for you if you wanted it but you could just run around and look at things if you wanted to right which a lot of people wanted to do yeah god damn i love that game and uh this was a game i didn't love i I saw somebody recently one of our friends uh, it may have been mike bailey i forget but one of our friends was recently uh saying some loving things on i think it was facebook the other day about this game but a game that i thought just sucked Superman. Uh, it was the death and return of Superman for Genesis. Did you ever play that? No. I what never a heard of it. piece of shit! And you know what was awful about that game is you know it, it was it was a it was obviously put out to tie in with the death and return of Superman storyline in the comics. So it was half and half, you know, a side-scrolling fighter game, half um, linear story. So there's a part in the game where it's the big battle. You know, it's the big battle that's intended to kill Superman, where he fights Doomsday, right? So you're standing toe-to-toe, and it's very much like, uh, you know, like NHL hockey or something, where you're doing the, you know, run-in, jab, pull-back kind of fighting, you know, uh, side-scroller type of thing. And you're Superman, and you're fighting Doomsday. I whooped his ass, completely owned him, Knocked him the fuck out, and I don't even think my energy bar was down, you know, more than a couple ticks, right? So what does the game do? 
The game has him like miraculously recover, jump back up, and with one super blow, kills your character because it has to follow the linear progression of the story. Otherwise, there's no more game. Right. I'm like, right. what bullshit is this? I just fucking killed him, and he just gets back up and punches me with one punch and kills me, so that the game can carry on with his stupid storyline. I was like, oh, fuck this game. I was done. I was like, nope, I'm not having any more of it. It was a terrible game. You remember uh, uh, Fantasia, based on the Mickey Mouse portions of Fantasia, where you like, oh, you don't remember that? I thought for sure we played that game together. It was uh, it was a Sega game, and you were uh, like sort. I'm trying to remember. It had like a whole story and everything, but it was like you know, Sorcerer maybe, and Mickey. Maybe it sounds familiar. Remember, it was like super hard. The graphics were awesome. The music was awesome because it was, uh, you know, depending on what scene, it would use different music from the movie, you know, so it would be like, you know, playing like the Sorcerer's Apprentice and you'd have to like hop onto. What's that? Night on Bald Mountain and stuff. Yeah. But man, was that. I mean, you talk about a tough, tough game. I seem to vaguely remember it. Um, I should also shout out at this time period this was when Game Boy was happening. Yeah. Sega Game Gear. I have like four. I have all. I have like so. I have like at least two old different kinds of old school Game Boys, and you know all the Game Boys in between. Up, you know that I picked up at garage sales. My roommate's got a couple of the DSs, and it's yeah. I um, I I you know I pick them up at garage sales for a couple bucks all the time now. You know old Game Boys. But uh, well, it's yeah, like I, I told you, be on the lookout for a cheap um, N64 because I, I want one. Oh, I keep forgetting. I'll ask my roommate if she still wants hers. Yeah, we we uh, we we definitely have one sitting around in the house. And uh, the only thing about the N64 is a lot of the games you can't play them on. Yeah, it was the last console one, so or I mean uh, cartridge one. Yeah. So. Like I wouldn't be able, but I don't play the. Nobody plays the, the those those games anymore. Here, it's when people are playing. It's on the Wii, and uh, well, there were a couple of games, and we we can save this for the last section. But there were a couple of games that I played as PC games. But as PCs have become more and more sophisticated, you can't go back now and play right. the older version of these games. And the only way to to that they exist that you could play them would be on an old N64 because they just happened to have ported them to those systems too. Or vice versa, I'm not sure. But there were a couple of games I'll, I'll talk about here later when we, when you know, that were like that, that I, you know, that I played on, on PC and just loved them. But with you know subsequent upgrades of Windows and shit, you, you can't go back and play them anymore. They don't work. Yeah. So I, I hate that. Yeah, that's just evil, truly. Did we ever play World of Illusion together? Because that was one of the best co-op I games. I don't think so. I, I never played many of the co-op games. I've never been much of a team player in video games. <laughs> that was a good one. That was another Disney one. That uh, Strangely, uh, Genesis had a lot of really good Disney games. And this was before my whole interest and obsession with Disney. But even so... They probably, remember... had, you know, they probably had a crew of really good software designers at that yeah. time you know there were probably like five guys doing all the games and they were really good you know 
Well, Genesis was when I remember Disney forming their own. Um, what do you call you know like a like a software division where they created their own games for yeah. use on systems like Genesis, and I th- so I think they were creating these games in house, and that's why they were so good and so you know much further ahead even than other other Genesis games, which you know Genesis games were good on the whole. You know the the graphics and sound and all were always really good, but the the Disney games on Genesis were just that that step ahead. But World of Illusion was great because you could play it either single player or if you doubled up, then it, it add, added certain dimensions to the game because then you were co-op and you know helping each other get through levels and stuff. That was a really fun game, too. I like that one a lot. But uh, I'm off notes. Now, I can't remember any other. I know there was a whole bunch of other Genesis games, but those are the big ones that came to my mind just yeah. off the top of my head. Well, I think we got a pretty good... Uh pretty i think we sprayed down that time period of video <laughs> games fairly well at least within our our you know range of games you know there were a lot of people who were playing completely different games than us that i'm sure so i would love to see a list of those you know of what other people yeah. loved during this time period and blistered their fingers too and <laughs> bled their eyes out but um yeah, I think we should take a quick break and then and then catch us up to present day. Jump into the the modern world of video games. Into the state of the art, the cutting edge, the razor's edge. The avant-garde. <laughs> I don't know. Presenting the Amazing Spider-Man Classics Podcast Year 2. Starring myself, John Wilson, along with Joshua Bertoni, Donovan Grant, and your favorite guest hosts of the comics podcasting community. Bringing you the classic 1960s adventures of Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, and the gang. As told by Stan Lee, John Romita, Don Heck, Jim Mooney, John Buscema, and more. And to kick the year off, we're running a special episode in March with... Uh, uh, hold on, wait a second. Hey there, webheads! 12 months ago, a very special podcast came onto your iTunes feed, and to celebrate 12 months of that podcast being on your iTunes feed, we thought we'd take you on a special date to the movies, and what a movie it is! Why, it's about our very own webhead spinner Spider-Man, the first installment of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, guest-starring one of the Power Rangers. Oh boy, we're in for a good time! So strap yourself in, and here's the hosts! This isn't a way a podcast is supposed to work! Peter, you're seeing the Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie without me? Why, no, Betty, I'm seeing it with all my friends, the Amazing Spider-Man Classics listeners, and you're invited too. Even Liz Allen? Yes, Betty, even Liz Allen. Okay, as long as Ned can come. You know why I hate you, Leeds? Because you have a right to listen to this episode with Betty. The shadow of Spider-Man isn't standing between your earphones. Episode 28 kicks off the new year with an in-film commentary on the 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. And then we continue on in future episodes looking at the further adventures of Spider-Man, an amazing Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man, and every guest appearance and cameo we can find. Only at Amazing Spider-Man Classics, found on iTunes and at AmazingSpiderMan.Libsyn.com. Hello and welcome back to the third and final part of our massive 
gigantic video game episode. We're going to bring it all. We sort of ended off on the uh, Sega Genesis, and we're talking a little bit about the stuff that came after it, but now we can jump full bore into that and bring us into the present day of Scott's and my video game life and career. Now, I remember, for me personally, there's a giant gap Mm -hmm. between, say, like the Genesis era into, you know, more or less modern. And mo- modern for me would be like like mid-90s. Like I'm thinking like 94, 95. Because, you know, I moved to moved to Georgia and for a time I was working for uh, for media play. And the first, like, what I would consider modern video game, I can remember we had a display in the electronics department where they had doom and i remember just being like holy shit what is this game and just being fucking addicted to that game i don't know how many times i got fussed at by the manager like the store manager like stop playing this fucking doom game and go back to your own department you know because i was constantly over there playing the demo every chance i got because i was just hooked and that was like where I got interested in like PC games because after after that it would be a long time before I bought another platform because I just mm-hmm. got interested in like PC games. Mm-hmm. And See, got- it was about that time. That's when I got my first PC and it had a fucking beast of a graphics card in it, you yep. know, and shitloads of RAM. And my roommate was like, "Oh, the gaming you're good." And I'm like, "I'm not gonna use this to game." And then right. uh, at work, someone was like you ever played this game Unreal Tournament? You should try this game Unreal Tournament. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somehow I got a download of Unreal Tournament somehow and uh, began playing it and was like, holy shit. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) And uh, I played the hell out of Unreal Tournament. I I spent many, many... I would come home from work. It It was the most awesome way to come home from work all frustrated and kill a bunch of people without having to go to prison. What I liked about PC games, and I, I realize this is going to make me sound terrible, but one of the things I liked most about PC games was they were all over the internet. So you really, I mean, unless you were just impatient, you know, you hardly ever really had to buy right. new video games because, you, you know, you always had a friend that would, you know, make you a copy or, you know, you could find it to download and there'd be, a you know, a, a no-disc crack or some shit like that so i just i had a million pc games but uh I'm trying to think some of my favorite ones like you know when i started when i first bought my pc i bought a bunch of games right out of the shoot and i remember uh tomb raider 2 was the the big thing at the time i, I never to this to day all yeah, the time i've never played the first one to this day but I played Tomb Raider 2, and then it had uh, an expansion pack with, a, with like an extra adventure. I loved that shit because it was like a, a gorgeous, good-looking female Indiana Jones that you could take all over the world, drive like motorcycles and boats. And sh- I was just addicted to that. I thought that was just the coolest shit I ever played. That was a great game. One of the it- first PC games that I ever played was with was just like this was when we would get a hold of each other on the phone like once every eight nine months once a year we'd talk to each other on the phone and i can't remember we were talking i 
I don't even know. Yeah, it must have been on the phone, and you were like, "What game was that?" The Midtown Madness. Midtown Madness. So we oh, loaded up Midtown Madness onto our game. computer, and then the next—I don't even remember. I think it was the next night we hooked up with you and played Midtown Madness online with you, my roommate and I. Yep. And we, my roommate and I, were rolling on the floor. Now would be a great time to explore every nook and cranny of this even metropolis. Laughing because a because I I remember that was the first that was like it was like all right you know let's set up our our accounts or whatever and we set up our car and without telling you I named my car Pete Hush right and you know we started up the game and then it's all of a sudden and 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 that was when you know you could see you typing out text and I you were just right. fucking crack it was just like Pete Hesh is ready to race or something and you were just like <laughs> ah! and we would just like drive we were the only two cars in this whole town we would like drive a mile apart and then just get on a straightaway and just drive the cars into each other it was a ride that was such a great game and it, it was it was a another one of those stepping stones to current games because right. it was it was you know you could Kill pe- play game mode or you could just completely play open world and just drive around tear shit up tear your own car up have spectacular crashes try to jump to areas of the game that you're not really supposed to go to and st- I loved that shit and that was the game that added the terms mods and uh, skins to my computer vocabulary because Uh. they started to they came out with uh i remember i was playing online one day and all of a sudden you know that what what would happen in that game was you you started out with a vehicle right and every time you crashed your car would degrade by degrees to a point where eventually it wouldn't run anymore and then the computer would just generate you a a brand new vehicle it would just like christine you know into Uh a new car I remember seeing this car fly by me at some ridiculous fucking speed in the in the crashed out condition. It was like at the at the condition where it shouldn't have been able to run anymore. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? You know, what's going on? And what it turned out was at at that time, if somebody else was using a mod and a skin and you didn't have it on your computer, then it would register as whatever the base model was and you couldn't see their actual skin. And this guy was driving a pod racer. So to him, it looked like a pod racer. To me, it looked like this just beat-to-shit car that shouldn't have been able to actually move. Uh-huh. And that's where I discovered that. He was like, all right, what does my vehicle look like to you? And I described it, and he's like, hang on. And he sends me this file. He tells me where to put it in, you know, into the, into the files. I put it in there, restart the game. Next thing you know, I'm looking at him driving a pod racer, and I was just in love. I was like... I want to know how to do this right now. <laughs> and I, I I downloaded every friggin' mod and skin they made for that game. Every one of them. I had all the courses, all the cars, all the vehicles. It was awesome. I mean, I had, like, one of my favorites was uh, you were a guy in a shopping cart. So you could go, like, you know, two or three hundred miles an hour as a dude in a shopping cart, like, jumping buildings. It was great. God damn it, I love that game. That game was a blast. And you could play online, and that's where I first realized, holy shit, you know, this internet thing is awesome, because we would form leagues. You know, and here I was a guy living in Podunk, Georgia. Right. 
in a in a racing league with guys in like Australia and you know just all over the world, and it was just this is totally awesome. Yep. It just it that, was that, that exploded was... with that game SOCOM. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know that that uh, I remember. I never played it, but I worked with people who were chomping at the bit all day to get home and to play with their SOCOM groups. And you know, yeah, they would be. They would have groups and like somebody would be like a 12 year old kid in fucking Nome, Alaska, you know, right? who was a really good sniper and, you know, and, and they would form themselves into these crack military units, like literally going out, you know, with this weird group of guys in their twenties and teenage kids and pubos and they would, you know, and they would fucking, you know, be executing all these insane military maneuvers and they'd have their headsets on and be coordinating themselves, you know, doing pretty intense, you know, um, strategizing and uh, maneuvers. And uh, very, I was just like, holy shit, man, if there was ever like a civil war or a rebellion, we'd have all these like civilians who are sort of semi-trained in combat, you know. Right. They're not trained in the actual physical rigors of combat and the reality of it, but they're certainly certainly getting a simulation of the um, strategy and and all that. Absolutely. Did and, you ever play Soldier of Fortune? No, I've seen people playing Soldier of Fortune though. That looked see, but that 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 when all that stuff was happening, I played very few games because I was just of the belief and mostly right that a lot of these games are too they're not too complicated for me to figure out they're too complicated for me to take the time that would be necessary to figure out and I don't have the patience I like to jump in kill for a while and then go about my business you know these days I don't unless and this I should leave it till later in the show about the games that I'm obsessed with now because that's the right up to date stuff but yeah, I just, I, I, I can't do the sit down and play for three hours anymore. You know, the sit down and and really get into a game and where you're training yourself. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. each new board is something that you have to, unless it's something that's really, really, really super engaging. Like the new any new Mario game they come out with is super engaging to me, and I can. You know the way that it leads you through the story and the game is is very fun for me, but for the most part, I just want something intuitive where I can go and just start pounding away at whatever's going on and right. do it until I've you know blown off whatever steam I have to blow off and then go go do something else. But I've spent much time watching or in the same room with people who are working their way methodically through a lot of these games you know i mean i can't tell you how many how many hours of people when the n64 came out of uh was it golden eye yeah of watching people play golden eye i played golden eye a few times though and i remember that being actually playable to me so it must have been super fun for the people who were really into that first person shooter stuff because i remember going oh i can i can work these controls and i actually had fun playing it See, Soldier of Fortune ruined me on uh, first-person shooters forever because it, it's it's still 
the game, the first-person shooter that I judge all other first-person shooters by, and I've never found another one that I've enjoyed quite as much as that one. And part of it was because that game was a big deal when it came out because it was banned in a uh-huh. lot of places uh-huh. because it was incredibly violent for its time. I mean, when you shot somebody in that game, it was like really shooting somebody because you'd blow their fucking legs off and shit. It was like super, super violent. And I loved it. <laughs> of course. I mean, I mean well, because I, I like the realism of it, you know? I, I've never been a big fan of, you know, my my dad used to say the same thing about like Westerns, you know? Like once he had started seeing movies like Unforgiven and stuff, he couldn't go back and watch like old, you know, episodes of Gunsmoke because it was just, you know, it was the old, you know, oh, you got me, Sheriff, and they'd fall down and die syndrome as opposed right. to, you know, you'd see movies like Unforgiven where, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they were blowing chunks and, you know, yeah, exactly. And Soldier of Fortune was like that. So even though I might enjoy, you know, a few levels of a game like Call, you know, Call of Duty or something like that or Medal of Honor, eventually I kind of got bored with those games because they just didn't bring the realism that I had come to expect out of Soldier of Fortune. Speaking even Soldier of Fortune's own sequels haven't been as good as the original. Uh-huh. They just aren't as real. I always, yeah, they well they probably backtracked because of that, yeah, which did. is stupid. They did wow. big time. Well, part of the problem I had, they they did come out with the uh, the first sequel, it was, uh, I think it was called Double Helix or something. It wasn't bad, but it had this glitch in it that, all right, you'd be walking through this hospital. I remember the hospital level being the worst offender for this glitch. You'd be walking through the hospital, and it was loaded with bad guys. And say there was a bad guy hiding behind a door. Uh-huh. If you opened the door and the bad guy was behind it, it would instantly pulp the bad guy. And I mean a very bloody, gushy, gooey, nasty pulping. But it was ridiculous because all you did was open the door. So it was like you opened it with like Superman force and just squished the guy on the other side. It was just ridiculous. And that just kind of ruined the realism of the game for me to where I, I don't think I ever finished that game. Whereas the original one, shit, I played that game I don't know how many times all the way through just because it was so addicting. Speaking of blowing chunks realism, this one's purely theoretical. <laughs> But this was something I saw on your Facebook or some or you were commenting or something on Facebook is they were talking about the new season of Walking Dead and the video game was being mentioned. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for a real, like, realistic zombie video game and I hope a Walking Dead one will be that game. It could be. It could be. I mean, uh, everybody says that, uh, what was that game? There was a game that was out not long ago. I actually bought it the year that we got our 360. I bought it for Christmas. Ah, damn it! What was the name of that game? It's the one that ha- it's a zombie one that takes place in a mall. Dead Rising. That was oh, Dead, Dead Rising. Rising. Yes, I've heard good things about that. Yeah, actually. I have too. I couldn't play it. The 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 graphics that tell or the uh, text rather that tells you what to do was so small. I, I literally couldn't read it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, blind or anything. I have perfect 2020 vision. I just couldn't see it. I ended up taking it back because I got so frustrated with that game, not being able to see what the instructions were in the game. But I've heard nothing but good things about that game. And then I see there's a, a sequel to that that just came out, too. There's There have been some other ones, but I haven't ever played any of them. Um, 
You know, one that I loved that I hardly ever hear anybody say nice things about was uh, The Punisher. The scum in this city need a wake-up call. Another ultra-violent game, but damn was that game a lot of fun. That was a great game. I don't think I've ever played that. I think you would like that game. I think you would appreciate it. Probably. <laughs> just because it's it's just it's laugh out loud funny how over the top the violence is in that game. It's really fun. Home um, free. This way. Max Payne. Both of the Max Payne games were great. I liked both of those games. Did you ever play those? I have played a little of the first Max Payne game and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Uh I like the second one, and supposedly there's another one coming out pretty soon, but uh, both of those are good. Especially the second one, because it had the ragdoll physics. And uh, there was some, some really... You could have some spectacular kills in that game. Just the way the guys, you know, like you'd shoot them and they'd fall down a flight of stairs or something was just hysterical. Now here's a PlayStation 2. I don't know if this is a PlayStation 2. I can't remember a PlayStation 1. This game, like, a year ago, I was playing this one hot and heavy, and I still go back every once in a while to kill on this game. It was a state of emergency. Go, go, go! Smash the corporation! Smash windows for bonus score! Blow up cars for bonus I did. I ended up buying that. On your recommendation, I bought it at a, at a flea market or something for, like, 99 cents or something. I played it for a little bit, but I... I don't know. It was it was not what I was expecting out of it. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't really my kind of thing, you know. I thought it was a little bit repetitive, but it was it was fun. I got a kick out of it. It's um I just like all of the, it's just basically there's some sort of rebellion going on. It's a politically incorrect game, but they don't want you fighting the government, so it's like some evil corporation that's taking right. over that you're fighting, but they're basically look like cops. And you just go out and find weapons and, and you know, you get points off for shooting civilians, but I don't really care about points anyway. <laughs> so I just go out and basically, you know, every time you kill somebody, you get to, you know, you have a timer running over your head. Right. And, you know, you buy time by killing more things. People are blowing things up. And it's a great blow-off steam. It's just run around, grab bigger weapons kill as many people uh, what i like about that is if, if 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 it's just people robbing and looting and you have your shotgun or something and you just start opening fire you hear people scream <laughs> people go Wah! and start running in all directions i like that a game that i think that you would truly love and appreciate uh was called armed and dangerous it was a lucas arts game best way I can describe this game is Star Wars meets Monty Python meets Time Bandits. Oh. Fucking great game. And uh, I'm sure you could find it for a song because I finally tracked it down on uh, on Xbox and I think I paid like maybe $2 for it. It's just one of those like little known out of the way gems. If you get a chance to play it, man, it's it's, it's great. It's hilarious. Because it, it's, a, it's a shooter... I don't think it's first person, but it's a it's a shooter. And it's like a you know you have like your small band of I don't know whatever they're supposed to be doing freedom fighters or something, but it's just hysterical because they have all these crazy weapons. Like they have this one gun that turns the world upside down, so all your enemies like fall off the screen. There's another one that's a shark gun. You literally shoot the shoot the gun, 
and a fin swims along in the ground and then comes up under your enemies and just chomps them up. I mean, it's just weird shit like that, but it's a lot of fun. It's it's got a little bit of like the mutant league hockey in it, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But it, it's it's a blast. That was a fun game too. Um, now we were talking about Midtown Madness a minute ago. Did you ever play the any of the motocross madness games? No, I've never been much of a racing. Dra- uh, although that sounds like fun because it sounds a little more chaotic and. Yeah. I mean, I well, used to have a dirt bike, too, so... Well, imagine uh, Midtown Madness, but with dirt bikes, and it's mm-hmm. basically what it was, mm-hmm. and the uh, the online... I was never much for online games, because in the beginning, they were all free. As long as you owned the game, you could go online and play right. it for free, and then they started charging to do that shit, and that's when I lost interest. But that one... Uh, I used to play the hell out of uh, Motocross Madness online, and that was a fun game because you'd play games like they'd be simple ones, like the computer would throw a uh, a beach ball somewhere into the board, and you would race around until you found it. And if you found it, then you were it, and everybody else had to chase you and try to take it away. Man, you could play that shit for you know six, eight, ten hours and just not even realize you had spent so much time mm-hmm. in front of the computer because you were just having a blast playing it. That was a good game. I like yeah, that. Yeah, now there's yeah that that I don't like that whole pay to play. On, you know, no, nope. nope, I don't do it. It's it's dangerous. There's I've there's too many people who are like dangerously addicted to like World of Warcraft and stuff. I refuse like that to now. play any of those games that make you pay money. The first mm-hmm. one I ever I ever got into, or I actually, well, here's the story. I bought. Um, what the hell is the name of that superhero game? City of Heroes. Mm-hmm. I bought it the day it came out. I was so excited for that game when it came out. I bought it, brought it home, installed it on the computer, and right away discovered that this was a pay-to-play game. I was like, nope, fuck this. Uninstalled it, took it back to the store, and made a complete asshole of myself until they finally gave me my money back. Because, you know, they won't take games back. Right. If you've opened that shit, they won't take... No, I just... I showed my ass until they finally gave me my money back. I said, there's no fucking way I'm paying... I think I paid like 60 bucks for that game. Because, I mean, I literally bought it like the day it came out. Yeah, and, I was and like, then you have no- to spend another 40 bucks just to play it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, nope, fuck you. I don't even think that... I could be wrong, but I don't think that game even had like a... Uh, what do they call it? You know, like a, a stay play, play at home line. version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, nope, this is completely worthless to me. I was like, I'll be goddamned if I'm going to pay 60 bucks for this game. And then you want me to pay more more money to be able to play it, you know, the way it's intended. Nope, screw you. I'm not doing it. And I think that was pretty much the end of yeah. online play after that. Because the game I had been playing just prior to that, that I thought it was going to be like the next generation of was... Um, Freedom Force. I fucking loved that game. Did you ever play that no, one? No, I never heard of it. It was a superhero game. Probably the best one they've... I, I, honestly, you know, there have been some really good games that have come along since, like, uh, you know, like X-Men Legends and Ultimate Alliance and stuff, but Freedom Force was the shit, man. It was... It was a lot of fun because all the... or You know, every time you, you met or became a new playable character they would give you the origin story of the character and they were all done in like that 60s Lee and Kirby style with you know they'd have ridiculous uh-huh. names ridiculous powers a really goofy origin story but it was just good old fashioned like 60s marvel comic book fun you know 
and it was a it was a team based thing where you would have you know you'd build your team and you had like you know like the Captain America archetype and you know the the speedster and the and the strong guy and the Iron Man type of guy and all this and you went on these different comic book missions and it was you know, I mean the violence was completely over the top because you know you, you, you were under a mandate to like go out and protect the city from whatever the threat of the week was like giant robots or whatever but you were also supposed to be like be careful and not cause a lot of collateral damage but if you just decided right. to be like the asshole superhero and just go out and you just didn't give a shit i mean buildings would literally get knocked down in the course of your fights and stuff and it would deduct stuff off of your point i think it was called like prestige points so if your prestige was low enough public opinion could actually turn against your team because you were causing so much damage and uh-huh. stuff that game was awesome and you could play it online for free. So you could create your own superheroes and go online and play it. But it had a limited amount of online playability. So City of Heroes was supposed to be like the next level of that. You know, where you could create your guys, go online and play like in a, in a virtual world of heroes and villains. But they wanted to charge for the fucking thing. And I was like, there's no way. I'm already playing Freedom Force, which is awesome, and I can play it for free. So that I think that was the last online game I ever played was Freedom Force. But well, I thought about considering doing that when they were developing the Star Wars and the Star Star Trek worlds online. And I'm like, yeah, I could get on. I could get into... <laughs> building a character and then having them live in the Star Wars or the Star Trek universe. Right. And then, you know, basically building that virtual world. And I could see, and I was thinking, yeah, and, and once you got in there, as time go- goes on, it's just going to get more and more realistic until you're in virtual Star Wars. And then I started looking at how much it was and reading about people who were like, eh, it's not working so good. And I was just like, nah, nah sorry. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> not exactly. Not you know, I, I heard that the Star Wars one wasn't very good. I haven't heard anything so far about I've heard the Star good, Trek I've heard, one. Heard good, I heard the Star Trek one was really bad at first, but has gotten a lot of the kinks out. And I guess there's a lot of people who really get into it. I guess it's got a very active communicate. That makes more sense, actually, than the Star Wars one, I think. Because right. you can go and join Starfleet and, and go through the ranks and stuff like that, you know, and... And I, c- I could see it just working out a lot better. That reminds me. You know what I pl- used to play the hell out of? Rogue Squadron. That was an N64 yeah. game that... Um, the original Rogue Squadron and I think Rogue Squadron 2 or... The, there was... One, one of them had um, a battle over Endor that was just... Yeah. Oh, awesome. What was the one... That was when I started going, I'm going to start playing video games again because as soon as they really simulated a Star Wars battle, like true, the first time I played Rogue Squadron and I shot and I was over tattooing and I shot a uh, TIE fighter and its wing exploded and it spiraled down to the ground, leaving a trail of smoke and then exploded on the ground. I said, all right, okay. Right. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> you know? And I remember years got... later when, when Rogue Leader came out Rogue for the, Leader. Uh, Whoa, for man. the uh, 
what was it, GameCube. I remember playing yes. the Battle of the Death Star, and, and, and I literally cow. said to whoever was in the room at the time, I've been waiting to do this since I was nine years old. Yes. Because it felt just like being in the movie. Yes. Yeah, that was that was wild. I mean, as awesome as the old Vector Graphics arcade game was, Rogue Leader... <laughs> was just I mean it really felt like you were there it was that was cool that was some shit when that came out and you know Star Wars games have been really hit and miss over the years yeah some of them have been really terrible you know a lot of them have been really terrible I remember when uh, I was working at Best Buy when uh, Star Wars uh, it was called Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast came out mm. and we were selling the fuck out of that game and i was like i've never even what the hell is this game i never even heard of this game and i i don't remember if i bought it or i got a, a copy from somebody because that when i was working at best buy i'll tell you what i think dude, i played the want, pc version of that if you want free software that's the fucking place to work at yeah. best buy because if you make friends with the geek department those guys will hook you, hook up, you up with anything you want in the world i never lacked for video games when i worked there but anyway, I got uh, Jedi Knight 2, and I fell in love. Because before that... I think I played I was, that on PC on your recommendation. Yeah. That, that's, how I, you know, that's how I played it was, was PC. And before, you know, I was aware that there were Star Wars games before that, but I always wrote them off as like, like Doom mods or something. Right. Because I remember there being like Dark Forces. Which is what Jedi Knight uh, 2 spun out of, because it was like Dark Forces, and then Dark Forces, blah, and then Dark Forces, blah, 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 and then there was like Dark Forces Jedi Knight. And then they dropped Dark Forces from the title, and they just called this one Jedi Knight 2. But it was like it was like that next leap in computer technology. There had been enough time to where when Jedi Knight 2 came out, it was like graphics that still hold up pretty much to present day you know, like super great, you know, surround sound, really good dynamic game. I mean, it was like, you know, it, it set a whole new level for Star Wars games. So, you know, I never played like uh, Dark Forces or TIE Fighter or X-Wing or any of those games. I remember just, TIE Fighter made a big yeah, big deal when that came out. That was They were a big deal, but I, I, I remember seeing them on demos and stuff when I would go to, like, computer departments and different stores, but yep. they just and be like, didn't yeah, impress me. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah not exactly. Yet, not yet. Yeah, not yet, yeah. exactly. And then I remember... I, I, I don't even think I had actually seen or played Jedi Knight when I got it. I just got it because we were selling the shit out of it at Best Buy. So I got it, I took it home, and it was just like, holy shit. You know, it was like you were this guy. You know, the graphics were awesome. The gameplay was awesome. And it was like, rather than being, you know, Doom with a Star Wars layover, it was like Star Wars meets Tomb Raider is yeah. what it reminded me of. Well, yeah, and you I were in all different awesome. kinds of locations. Sometimes you were outside. You were going in, yeah, inside. Yeah. A, yeah, you just had a whole bunch of little mi- missions, whereas Doom was pretty much you were just walking through shooting always right yeah. yeah yeah it was a it was a first person and that you know i could be completely wrong about dark forces really being like that but to me whatever i ever saw of dark forces it looked like pretty much just a straight up first person shooter it looked like doom with star wars on right, it. And, right and it just didn't really grab me you know but then uh, that jedi knight 2 came out and it was just like holy shit and uh yeah, I loved that game. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of that game. That one and uh, 
uh, a, a few years before that was um, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, which I still maintains the best Indiana Jones game they've ever put out. That was a great game. I tried the, it. It's not my cup of tea. You I didn't, didn't like it? it? Very far. No, that, those kinds of games I just don't have the patience for. That's the game. That one and... Uh, well, the reason I want to get an N64, why I want to track that down, is because that game's available for N64, and that's a game that will not play for XP uh, you or, know, or higher. I, we may have that game on the N64, really? too. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'll have to... Uh, I'll do some digging around. Well, the other game, we were talking about Star Wars games. Did you ever play Shadows of the Empire? I don't think I did. No. If you if you like um, Rogue Squadron, you got to play Shadows of the Empire because it's like Rogue Squadron with a story, and it's neat because it has levels that play just like Rogue Squadron, like where you're you know flying a snowspeeder and you got to take down uh, walkers and stuff. But then it'll switch, you know, like you, you'll complete that level. There'll be a little more story, and then the next level, you're on foot. Not first person, you're like third person view, but you're on foot inside the rebel base after the rebels have left and the Empire's still hanging around, so you're going through like shooting stormtroopers and stuff. Fucking great game, man. That game was a lot of fun, too. Because it, it kind of loosely followed the story of, uh, of the book and the comics, if, you know, if you've ever read that story. But it was good. That, that game was a lot of fun, too. I enjoyed that one. Actually, I have, I have the soundtrack to that video game. Yeah, <laughs> I just Yo, they never play played it. it. Yeah, they play that in the in the game. It's it's a good one. You, I, I'm I'm kind of it's vague. Quite, it's quite a complex soundtrack for a video game. That's for sure. <laughs> it was it was a good story. I, I wasn't it wasn't it that music written actually for to go along with the book, right? More yeah, than it was yeah, for exactly. the video game, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Shadows of the Empire was a. It was basically it was a it was a Lucasfilm movie promotion. That had everything except a movie. The movie, you know, right? It had action figures, comics, toys, video game, soundtrack, book, novel, you know, everything. It just didn't have a movie to support it. But uh, yeah, I remember one of the the big things about that game was there. There was a point where you, if you could make it far enough, because it was kind of a tough game the further you played into it. But there was a level where you could actually battle IG88, Ooh. and that was pretty. Neat. Yeah. That was a big thing at the time. But uh, yeah, that, I, thought, I thought that was good. And then toward the end of it, there was a level where uh, it was very similar to what um, um, Rogue Leader would turn into, where you were, at, you know, you because that was the cool thing about that game is you you got all aspects of of Star, you know, the best elements of all the Star Wars games all in one package because you had. You know, the like I say, the level where you, you had to wrap up a walker, you know, you had to wrap up its legs and trip it up. And then you had a lot of, you know, running around on foot, you know, third person, you know, not first mm-hmm. person, but you know, third person view, shooting stuff and battling stormtroopers and stuff. And then you even had some levels um, where you did space battle. You know, you'd be flying. Uh, I don't think it was the. I think it was uh, Dash Rendar's ship, whatever the hell that was called, the Outrigger or whatever that ship is mm-hmm. called. It kind of looks like the the Falcon a little bit, but you were out in space at the at the big skyhook battle at the end of the at the end of the game, and you'd be out there like shooting whatever I don't know, it was Tie Fighters or something. So you had like all the best elements of all these different kinds of Star Wars games all in one package, and it was a that was a good game. That was a lot of fun. I used to like Rogue Squadron because that was the first 
game where I actually went and looked up all the cheats and stuff. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's such a hard game that, like, you know, I would basically have to make myself... I basically would play it with myself invulnerable, you know? Right. So that I could... Act, or, or damn close to invulnerable, so that I could actually complete the levels because I'm so incompetent. And, of course, I would always have the Millennium Falcon, too, which was awesome once you could cheat yourself into the... Millennium Falcon. Another game on the N64 I played the hell out of was uh, Pod Racer. Yeah. That was a great game. That I used really... to play... We had that as a demo when I was working at Target. That was, you know, they, they used to have the little demo units that would be set up at the right. end of the aisles. Well, I don't know if they still do that today or not. But uh, they had... Uh, Probably. Pod Racer was one of them. And I used to play it there. I never never owned it, but I used to play it at the demo. And that was, that was cool. I liked it. Well, I loved the, the music. The ta- yeah, it was, well, it was right out right out of the movie. And the, like, yeah. the tattooing run, like literally now that I watch... When I watch the movie, like it, the first time I watched the movie, it was hard to tell what was going on during the pod race. Right. Now when I watch it, it's hard not to tell what's going on because I've raced over that track... You know, it's like the home track. I've raced that track a thousand times on. That's cool. And it's and it's the exact same track. Uh, it's the exact same track. You know, you had That's to do the little sideways turn to get through the uh, the the that narrow canyon. You had to go through the little caves where that little eh thing gets blown up. <laughs> Love that shit. We were talking about cheats. It wasn't really so much a cheat. It was just like a little. Well, I guess it was sort of a cheat code type of thing that you could do. Are you talking about where you'd be like the Cadillac? Oh no! In the in the in the PC version of that Jedi Knight Two game I was talking about, Jedi Outcast, there was a thing where you could put in a piece of code into the game. Like if you hit, it was like Shift Tilde or something like that. You could put a piece of code in there that would change your lightsaber from being kind of the wussy default version that you get with the game to where it would function like a real lightsaber in the movies to where, you know, if you walked up to a, a Greedo or somebody and you slashed him in the throat, that was their that. head would pop right off, you know? Yeah. And it was great for combat because a lot of times, you know, you'd be outnumbered 50 to 1 by all these bad guys. And so what you could do is... spin it around, yeah. Yeah, you know, you'd use the force and throw your lightsaber in an arc and the lightsaber would spin and just be like a lawnmower through all these bad guys. It was awesome. I love that. that's the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, yeah, that was If you want to make it harder, just throw more bad guys to lawnmower down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... That's one thing... That's one thing about video games... That I that I have always hated the things where like okay so you've got your samurai sword and you gotta hack the guy fifty times to kill him. Right. I'm sorry, he would be like a pile of dog what canned dog food on the <laughs> ground, you know. Yeah, it's just not how that shit works, you know. Or you know you're just pumping bullets into thing, you know you pump eight bullets into the heads and then they finally die. No, yeah, you, that sword should take heads and arms off, or or at least make them dangle a little, and then the next hack you get them to drop off. <laughs> God damn it! Did you ever play uh, Postal Two? I don't think I have. I've uh, I. You would love that game. That fucking game was banned everywhere, well, I, everywhere in the civilized yes. world. You know what? Now that you mention that, you mailed me that game. <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought I did. And I think you mailed it to, you were just, you know, it's like somebody who's just found God, you know, who's been born again, you know, you're just like, brother, <laughs> you cannot live the rest of your life without playing. And you sent it to me, and I think you sent it to me right about the time that my PC went belly up, and I never got to play it. This game, this was a game where I don't know how to define it because it wasn't truly a great game because you could only play it in in limited oh, bits yeah. because it, it was at least for me anyway. I think I think a healthy mind could only play this game for so long before you were like, okay, I just feel icky and I gotta stop playing this game. Oh, so it sounds like fun for days and days on end for me. It was it was perverse. Because the game starts out and you're just like schmo, right? You're this this average guy, and right out of the gate, your first mission is report to work. You get to work, your boss tells you you're fired, and the game, everything that happens in the game, every single scenario is entire is in, intended to piss you off to the point where you go postal. That's the point of the game. And when you go postal, you can just do the most outrageous shit in the world. And it was just, it was sick, the the level of <laughs> shit that you could do. The best part of the game, I thought, was a feature that I think all uh, third-person video games, or even first-person shooters for that matter, should, hap- should have in them, where you could actually unzip your pants and you could piss on other people. It was great. So, like, you're walking down the street... And random people would come up to you and be like, you know, what's hey, your problem? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would start shit with you for like no reason whatsoever other than that was what the game was about. So if you got tired of them, you could just literally unzip and just piss on them. And then they would just get out- outraged, right? And then <laughs> I mean, it just yes. it el- escalated from there. But it was, I mean, it was the look it up sometime and just read the shit that they have to say about it on the net because it either... Depending on who you get, it was either the coolest right. game ever or like the most like disturbing scourge shit. of the world. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was fun for you know short bursts at a time. I always love those scourge of the worlds. You know, I've never played Grand Theft Auto. I, I played the original, like you know, top down, you know, right Grand Theft Auto. But I've never played the real like you know, kill a hooker. Not that I don't want to. I just, I just. Never have. I, I plan on it someday. Well, you can buy that That's now cheap, like, yeah. yeah. 99 cents in a bargain bin. But yeah. what's funny is, again, I was working at Best Buy when that came out. And I remember I was... Uh, something was going on. Somebody brought their uh, PlayStation in to be serviced. And it was late at night toward the end of a shift, or maybe it was even after store close, I forget. And a couple of the uh, IT guys, because they were called the IT guys back then, they weren't the friggin' Geek Squad, which I, I still think is just rude. But anyway, they were they were playing this game, and it was this guy walking down the street in this orange jump shoot, jumpsuit, fucking stealing cars and shooting people. And I was like, what the hell is this game? You know, I was I just I'd never seen anything like this before. And they're like, oh, this is Grand Theft. And they said it like, you know, everybody knows what this game is. And I was just instantly just mesmerized by the thing. Had to own it. And I think that's where I started to get interested again into, like, you know. Because at that time, it was only out for, like, uh, uh, like PlayStation and stuff. 
So I started playing it on PlayStation, then eventually it came out for PC, and I got it and played it on PC. And I like the PC one better because, for one, the graphics looked a lot better, but instantly they came out with all these mods and things that you uh-huh. could do for it and different skins and stuff. But that, I was hooked by that shit. Yeah, I, I loved it. Because I liked that. There was a, a thing where you could change the uh, the physics of your car. So what I would do is I would take a certain model of car that was a little bit distinct and, and that you didn't see constantly throughout the game. I would take it and add tons of mass and weight to it and then give it the ability to go, you know, really super, you know, like... 600 miles an hour. Yeah, well, I mean, not ridiculously <laughs> right. fast. You know, a couple hundred miles an hour, easy. And what you do is... Like, you that's just not ridiculously fast. <laughs> you get out... You know, on an open stretch of road and just get hauling ass as fast as you could. Slam head on to like a cop car or something, and it would be like playing croquet. I mean, you just knock their ass a mile. And you'd literally see this friggin' car flying through the air, and it would come down and just mow down like anything in its path. <laughs> it was just fucking great. That game, I I played that. I played the shit out of that game. I loved uh, the Grand Theft Auto games. Uh, I played, I played three. What was it? It was three. Then there was Vice City. And then there was San Andreas. I haven't played the newest one yet. I think it's four. Is the new one? It's the one that's New York City. I think I haven't played that one yet. But, I've uh, heard that one. I've I've heard good things about that one from New York City residents who just walk around and like go to their old neighborhood and stuff. That's cool. I've been meaning to get it because I see the prices down now to like, I don't know, it's like 14, 15 bucks, something yeah. like that. So I'm, I'm going to get it eventually. But somewhere in that process, in, in there, one came out that kind of stole the crown, in my opinion, which was uh, Saints Row and Saints Row mm-hmm. 2. Well, and, and- anybody who listened to, um, you know, a year and a half ago when I went down to Dragon Con and was hanging out with you, yeah, you probably right. heard us talking about we had some fun playing Saint Ro- Saints Row then. But yeah, I mean, I, I think at that time I was playing Saints Row, and, I, and I've since uh, I just beat uh, Saints Row Two not long ago. But it just—I mean, I didn't think you could get much worse <laughs> than Grand Theft Auto, you know. And and Saints Row just took it and just you know just ramped up the, the awesome, you know? And uh, damn, <laughs> they they. They really outdid themselves with that shit. I love playing that game, but it's so wrong. I'm thinking about it. They've got versions of Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto. Like, now, I haven't played it. The last video game I played, my roommate had downloaded this 3D game for the Wii, and he had it projected on his wall where you were fighting these giant mosquito-y insects and stuff and shooting them. And that was pretty fun, but I am addicted to my iPod Touch, which is basically, if you can play it on an iPhone, you can play it on my iPod Touch. (laughs) And it's awesome. I can carry it around with me anywhere, so anytime I find myself, like, waiting for something or, you know, it's like, boom. And, you know, I've got probably... Well, I've got one game on here. I can't can't tell you how... Here, I'll uh, open it up. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me turn it up. I love that. I just love doing that over and over again. I love it. But um, uh, what one game, the one game I'm just addicted to is called uh, Tilt or Live. And, you know, so now these things, 
you, they're, they're tilt sensitive, so you can tilt things around. I mean, I'm sure you saw your kids when I came up to visit you this time. I just handed over my iPod touch to your kids and <laughs> said, right. here you go, guys, and let them. And you know what? To your kids' credit, I did not see them fighting over it once. They, they, they play really good together. At least they do when I'm around. I don't know how it For the goes most normal day-to-day, day, but your kids play really well together. Um, it's Tilt-A-Live. You're basically like this little Star Destroyer-like thing. You're, you're avoiding these dots and picking up things that blow up, and you're trying to kill as many dots and stay alive. And it just has... It's so simple, but the intuitive you know, tipping of the control... And they have versions of, like, Robotron-like games where you tip to maneuver your thing and you use your finger to fire in different directions. And I gotta tell you, I, I think this is the game platform of the future. It's more, more likely iPhones and the iPads, you know. A lot of these games, I can imagine, would be just awesome on the iPad. Um... What else? There's, you know, the, there's the, the, the game that's addicted, you know, the entire nation, which is that Angry Birds game. Um, the, the, the game that intoxicated your kids, Ow My Balls. Classic. Balls! <laughs> um, and I've got, you know, variations on, uh, you know, a lot of the classics like Pac-Man and Space Invaders, and they've got... Um, I've got a variation on light cycles. There's even a Tron legacy game that's kind of crappy. But um, I'm telling you, I, I, I think that the games were sort of a secondary thing with these, these things. These were mostly like something to put your songs on, you know, or check the internet. I'm thinking the games are... There's a game on here, and, and the great thing about it is the touchscreen aspect of it and the tilt aspect of it means... They've had to come up with all these different... Um, it, it almost goes all the way back to the 2600, you know, third-party games, where you had to come up with something that played a little differently, or had a, you know, instead of being a standard like you're steering a car or you're aiming a gun, you know, they have to come up with... Or they don't have to, but they, they come up with creative different kinds of games where you're using swipes of your finger and and tilts of it to to do stuff and uh boy it's working out really good that's that's where i play video games now is on this little teeny tiny screen <laughs> in the palm of my hand and uh <laughs> uh i could play big buck hunter Which is a arcade. Which is a re- that's that's an arcade game actually that I've been playing in when at the the bar that I used to work in had Big Buck Hunter and I would find myself. Re- have you ever played that? It's very enjoyable. Which game is this? Big Buck Hunter. <laughs> you, you have a you have a, a rifle and and basically you have a bunch of deer. And you have to shoot the bucks, not the does. So anything with hor- with with le- with you know antlers, you got to get them in the heart or in the head. Otherwise, it takes two or three shots to take them down. And you, you know, it's you know target practice game. But of course, nowadays they're getting very realistic with you know the way it, the way it looks, and it's ridiculous. It's you know it's so redneck 
You know, the music is like, Hey there, partner. Make sure you don't... Sh- oh, you shot a doe. Yeah, the game warden ain't going to be happy about that. And there's, you know, photographs of, you know, redneck girls and little skimpy Daisy Dukes and halter tops and stuff like You know, it's just so stereotyped, like kind of redneck, politically incorrect, you know, to be shooting innocent animals. Especially the bonus games, which are just like, you know, tons of turkeys running around, and you're just like, just picking them off left and right. (laughs) I love it. And there's something, there's something, it's actually a shotgun that you have now that I think about it. There's something just very satisfying to me about standing in a bar with a, with a very realistic looking shotgun. You know, it's bright green. Because nowadays they don't make them, so they look... But it feels realistic. It's got a realistic pump and heft to it. And, you know, sitting in a sitting in a bar, like, you know, cocking the shotgun and and uh, and blasting things, it feels a little a little wrong, you know. <laughs> it's awesome. I like that. I like things feeling a little wrong sometimes, like that. That's that's probably the only arcade game that I played in a long time besides the retro Miss Pac-Man slash Galaga machines that are turning up all over the place around here. Yeah, you know, uh, that's funny you mentioned that. Um, I don't know if you saw that picture I posted on uh, um, Facebook not long ago, but uh, I was at... Um, that was a different... What was that combination? That was uh, Space Invaders and Ms. Pac-Man. Oh, uh, okay. It was, the, it was an arcade machine, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I think I forget what price was on it. was two hundred and something. It was like two hundred and four dollars or some weird kind of price. But boy, did I think about it! I was like, oh, that's you know, pretty cheap. I, yeah, I, I would love. I you know, how would I, you transport bought, that to your house? I have no idea. I don't <laughs> know if that thing would fit in the Explorer or not. But you know, when I when I when I got my first one, well, my only one, you know, I, I had that thought. You know, briefly of okay, this is this is the first of many. You know, this I'm gonna I'm gonna build my own arcade. Well, yeah, that that didn't last, but I would still, you know, if I if I if an opportunity like that one ever came along again, you know, the the deal you just can't refuse because it's dirt cheap. You know, I mean, I literally I bought my. my I was arcade gonna machine. say you don't have room for one, but you could in your garage. Yeah, but I mean. Ultimately, you know, we, we kind of actually want to get rid of the one I've got now just because, you know, it, it is just kind of in bulky. the way. You know? it's, it's bulky. bulky. It's huge. It's a pain in the nuts to move. The Avengers! You know, but it there's something, I got to be honest, there's something really cool. Yeah. You know, oh, about yeah. having your own arcade machine, especially a rare one. Because well, the, the one thing I, about I it is you, is get a, you could get an emulator and put it on your big screen TV and play that game. Oh, I, but I the have, combination yeah. of the artwork of it, you know, yeah. on the sides of it and the, the physical joysticks and the but there's just something just so awesome about it well, about standing in front of a real video game that's yeah. doing its thing i mean it's just for for me for that one it's just it's the perfect combination of for one it's a game i always loved you know that that's most important right there it's a game that was always a favorite but also it's the fact of you know it's as far as gameplay goes, it's in mint condition because yes. I, I have a theory that when it burned out, 
you know, and why the reason it sat all those years, I have a f- theory that it burned out early in its life because there is no burn-in in that screen. Now, this is a game from 1983. What do you mean when it, bur- when it burned out? When, the, well, when, when, they, I, when, when they, I bought when, it... When the, you, yeah, okay, sorry. The reason I bought it, or you know, the reason it was for sale for a measly $25 was because it didn't work. It hadn't worked oh, in years. And when I took it home and took it apart, I discovered that the, the only thing that was wrong with it was that the, the converter box, you know, the power box... Because basically how the, I don't know if every video game works this way, but the one I've got, this is how it works, is there's a power cord that goes from, you know, the wall socket into the machine, and then there's a converter box that converts all the power to, you know, to the to the board, right. to the screen, to the controllers, all that. Well, that, that converter box had caught on fire. I mean, it was literally burned up, you know? So I bought a new one and hooked it all up works like a dream i've never had any problems with it board works fine controllers all work fine um and that screen has zero burn it so i'm thinking that when that fire happened the fire that took it out of service i think it happened early in its life yeah so i think wherever it it sat before it made it to that um flea market you know it, it, it just not really been played that much it hadn't been played to the point where there was burning in the screen so it's basically like mint condition just because it had not really been working for a long long time well i i, so, I remember when you were off at when you were off at work i was or uh you know i was home alone at your house one one day i was playing i play i was playing that game and i was amazed the buttons work Mm-hmm. The joysticks work, you know. A lot of times on those old games, that shit's. It might still work, but it's not tight, or the joysticks are right. really loose and floppy, and they only work a percentage of the time. No, not this one. Right. This one was like going, you know, it was like stepping back in time. It was reliable, yeah. you know. Which see that again? That adds back into my theory that that it just it hadn't lived long when it burned up because. All of the the age on that machine, all of the 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 wear and tear of the years, are are taken up with the case. Right. The case is kind of rough, you know. The 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 the, the actual yeah, physical. Yeah, but that's probably cabinet. just because it got moved from spot yeah. to spot and sat oh, yeah. in the sun and got faded yeah. a little bit, you know. It, yeah. It's moved. It had a little water. I think got in, you know, got because it's just fucking press board. Yeah. And that press board gets wet and then dries out. Then it's brittle and it cracks, which is what happened with that. You know, and it's it's huge. You know, it's it's the four player version, so it's the biggest, heaviest one they made, and it's it's a pain to move around. And it, it all so all the wear and tear that 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 the ages have shown to that thing have all been taken by the cabinet. They haven't been taken by the controllers and by the screen and and you know by uh, you know electricity coursing through its veins all these years and being you know being in service for I, I'm really believing that for most of its life it's been out of service and that's why it works like a dream you know here what it's coming up on 30 years old that that's awesome you know because I, I don't believe that there's a lot of 30 year old video games that are in near no. this one not that haven't been all refurbished, refurbished and yeah. fixed up yeah. yeah so i mean i really got not only did i get a good deal but i mean i got a good deal you know so 
that that's the biggest reason I haven't been able to part with it. I, I mean, I have had it for sale. I sold it once, and then uh, we agreed to, to just call off the deal with a fellow that bought it. He turned out he lived in a freaking apartment in New York City, and I was like, dude, what were you thinking? And the, the, the shipping that it was going to cost him to have it shipped was more than the price he was paying for the oh, unit. I'm sure, it must have been outrageous. And yeah. and to have it in an apartment in New York City, that's like half your apartment right there. Yeah, exactly. Unless he's like a millionaire. Even so still. It, you know, I've put it up for sale since then. I had it on eBay a couple of times and never really had any serious nibbles. And then I had a guy come look at it not long ago. Yeah, he sounded all douchey though. Yeah, he kind of pissed me off about the whole thing because, you know, he, he could have been nice about it, but instead he was kind of, I don't know. I, I Ultimately, I don't know what what soured it other than he was kind of insulting about it he's like yeah it's not really not in very good shape it's like what the fuck are you talking about you know you're not gonna find one that's in as good a shape as this one because granted the cabinet's not in the best of shape but that's just aesthetics you know if you're truly looking at the condition of the game and the playability of the game you'd be hard pressed to find one that's in better shape right right you know? So, I don't know, it, it, it did tend to piss me off, but oh well. He was you know, just I, trying to get you to go like, oh, I'll sell it to you for half the price then, or something like right. that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm staying firm on the price that I want out of the thing, because I know it's worth it. You know? Yeah. Because, for, you know, for one thing, you know, everything I said about it, but also, you know, the, the four-player version is the rare version of that one, you know, because... Typically, you know, the the games are made to be the smaller size, so they're more convenient so to pop put in more your, of them into yeah, yeah. your pizza parlor or whatever, you know. But this is the the big bulky four player one, and it's just you know, it's the more valuable one. It's the more rare one. It's the cooler one, you know, because it's got all the characters in it. So I'm I'm happy to to keep it. What I'd really like to do, I'd like to stumble across you know, a non-working game of any kind, so long as it just has, you know, a good working screen uh, and a controller and a couple fire buttons and, and get one of those uh, MAME things, you know, like the, the arcade cabinet with the MAME in it. Right, right. You know, I've seen those. I've seen the, like, the instructional mm -hmm. sites and movies and stuff online to how you can actually make your own, you know, and it, it looks like... I won't say it looks easy, but it looks like it'd be fairly cheap. It's like a modular sort of thing, so it's not really hard to do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could take an old, you know, you could take an old, old PC and make that work, you know, because you don't need a lot of processing power, you don't need a lot of speed. As a matter of fact, I have discovered that every new edition of computer that I get that's, that's actually faster and got more processing power seems to play main games harder the more sophisticated the computer gets uh -huh. because you know they're 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 being asked to step way back in time to process something that's you right. know not got the power to run a, a, a digital watch you know right. so, yeah yeah literally yeah <laughs> so it's actually interesting that a, that an old shitty computer could, would probably run main better inside a uh an arcade cabinet than than you know the latest greatest thing off the assembly line, and you know I've got a I've got an old computer now that I can pop in there and, and make all that happen. Yeah, yeah. Just be a matter of teaching myself how to do it. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's online tutorials out the yeah. yin yang about that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that definitely. Just, there, there are. They would just them. walk you through them. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. What I would like to do is have that sort of setup with just not even without, with maybe like a little cabinet and then take like my video projector and hook it up to it. Yeah. So where you just have the controls and. Yep, just pull up all those old video games. That would be awesome. I'll have yeah. your 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 complete. You know, have some sort of setup with every different with you know, a trackball, a couple a couple um, 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 joysticks. You know, for Robotron like games, um, but you know, buttons in the four in the four direction display for a right yeah. or left or four directions if you need it so if you wanted to play like a joystick and buttons like vanguard i would just love to have a vanguard machine that's what i would like to have that would be yeah. fun yeah that one that one unfortunately you know that's the sad thing is that you know now we have all of these classic video games at our fingertips you know the old arcade ones yeah and even like the 2600 games at our fingertips I don't find myself playing them that often. They they lose something. They you need know. their control. They need a controller they need it, yeah. like that that, that yeah. they were made to play with. I don't like playing them with a. It's it's like a little simulation and it's kind of nostalgic, but it's not the true gameplay that it was designed right to do to do. So uh, yeah, so they're, they're they're fun to be like. Oh, I haven't seen that game in thirty years. Right. And seeing it like in the form of where you see the opening screens and stuff like that is right. is wonderful to see, but it doesn't hold up as as true fun gameplay. You know, yeah. something that's like that you want to stick with that's intriguing at all. Yeah, there's a lot of them that that have definitely lost a lot. You know, in in that translation, because yeah. I know like a game I used to like was you know, the arcade version of Return of the Jedi. I find that game unplayable. Yeah, on a PC because you you need the original controller. Yeah, because that was a quirky game to try to control in the first place, and trying to play it with a mouse and keyboard is just impossible. It's just a joke. Yeah, it's just sort of there so so you can you know yeah it's just only good for just sort of checking it out and hearing the sounds and being like whoa yeah that's exactly what it was like except i could play it yeah i that i did that with a main with jump bug i was so excited and it was like oh that's right i can't play this without a joystick yeah never mind <laughs> um that's 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 another thing that's happened with my uh with my ipod touches i got the all the emulators and main sort of things and and ported in all these old uh, Game Boy games, yeah. and it didn't work with the virtual, you know, the virtual controls on the touch screen. It worked, but not like, you know, it's just not the same, you know. So it was like, oh, that's cool. I remember this game. I have been, I eventually dumped them all off there because it was like, you know, it was sort of like something like you could show somebody and go, look, here's every game that they ever made for the Game Boy, but it's really no fun to play them. But there's every game that you ever play for the Game Boy. You know, so... Yeah, well, until until I, until I they sell some sort of little thing, you know, I'm sure maybe somebody does make them, but I would love, you know, just some little tabletop thing with a USB cord with all the... with all the arcade things on it. That would be cool. That would make me very happy. If anybody has one, send it to me for free. You'll make... 
an old geek very happy. Well, I would say... Uh, yeah, we could go Let's on for see hours. What kind and hours. of feedback we get on this one, and uh, and maybe this is a subject that we'll uh, revisit at some yeah. point in the future. But we have been podcasting for just shy of eight hours, and uh, I need to sleep. So yeah, I'm sure you're kind of tired. I got another couple hours before I got to go to bed, but I'm even starting to feel the burn a little bit. <laughs> even me. But this was, I think uh, I think this was a good I had a blast. I, this was a lot of fun and uh, well, I, I love the uh, the walk down memory lane episodes. So I'll be curious to see what the uh, what the listeners what think the reaction is. Yeah. All right. So Send everybody that who has a list of uh, oh my god, I can't believe you forgot to mention this yep. game. I, I will be uh, curious to to hear what you guys mentioned and that sort of thing. Well, we'll I'll, I could almost guarantee we'll do a follow-up to this if we get enough uh, we get enough feedback asking, you know, we're, what about this, what about that. We're going to be slapping our foreheads for the next three days, remembering things going, how right. could I forget to mention that? Right, Holy right. shit. Yeah, well, I, yeah, there's already uh, there's already one that's right here in front of me. That's a that's a huge like oh my god, how could you not mention this game? But if I mention it, we're gonna talk. We're for just gonna hour, keep talking, so. yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I'll save it for for chapter two. <laughs> but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope uh, I hope you got a kick out of it, and uh, you know there was I hope there was a lot of oh my god, yes, I remember that game type of moments for you guys. I'm sure there had to have been. We threw up a million names. <laughs> All right, game over. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts, for more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash lead. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks.
Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.